is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get arrest! No! They saw your team put up zero effort. Wake up! Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouth. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks, Speedy Petey, and Tyler Harrison. Tyler Harrison. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. Welcome back! Yes, that was a little pretty, that was a loud, a loud chant right there. Welcome back to a new show of the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey, and Mr. Duff himself, Tyler Duff Harrison. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Wednesday and Thursday at 9 p.m. You can call us at 631 672 Oh, 08. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We have a great show lined up for you guys tonight. We're going to get into a lot of football. We're going to get into the AFC and NFC title game, uh, the Bengals, Kansas City, uh, the Rams, and you know who, the 49ers. We will make our picks tonight. Uh, we're going to talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame, which we didn't get to yesterday. A lot of different coach exchanges in the NFL. Uh, the Broncos have a new coach. The Jags have a new coach. Uh, the Giants should have a new coach by the end of the week. Uh, the Texans and the Chicago Bears. Everybody's going to have a new coach by the end of the week. So uh, we're getting to that. We're going to get to the whole Lakers, Chicago Bulls. Uh, thing that we were talking about, the 98 Chicago Bulls, and if the Chicago Bulls actually were together again for 99 and 2000, would Phil Jackson have went to the um, the, the L.A. Lakers and maybe Shaquille O'Neal doesn't flee Orlando to go to the Lakers to play with Kobe Bryant and make a dynasty. So we'll get into that and who's better, Pat Riley as a Lakers coach or Phil Jackson. But... We have two very special guests tonight, and our first guest is here, and he's ready to go. We are now talking to Associate uh, Press MVP voter and ESPN NFL analyst, Aaron Schatz. What's going on, Aaron? Hey, I'm doing well. I've spent the week uh, completely engrossed in the last four teams. The fewer <laughs> teams there are, the more you get into them. So I'm about ready for Sunday's games to happen now. Well, I will say this with the uh, divisional games, that was probably one of the best weekends we could ever watch when it comes yeah. to football with the young quarterback plays, even the veteran quarterbacks uh, and, and some of the veteran quarterbacks, I guess, didn't show up to a game. But uh, we can get into that a little bit later. But uh, before we get into some football conversation, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become uh, the Associated Press MVP voter and an ESPN NFL analyst? How did you become all that? I've been doing this for 18 years now. Um, I was just a fan and I felt like, you know, I grew up reading baseball analytics like Bill James and Rob Nyer, and nobody was doing that for the NFL when I got started. And so I basically decided I was going to do it. And I created a database of every play in the NFL and I started writing stuff about it and creating stats and 
that was back in 2003. We launched our website in July of 2003, and it became my full-time job a year later. And within a year after that, I was writing for ESPN. I've been working with ESPN now for 15, 16 years. Um, Football Outsiders has been going since 2003, sort of the original analytics site on the web uh, covering the NFL. And yeah, last year for the first time, I was selected as one of the 50 Associated Press uh, voters for all pro and the awards like MVP, which is a real honor. And I'm basically the, the sort of the analytics voice on that panel. It's like ex-players and coaches and a lot of people from the media. And I'm the analytics voice and proud to be so. So why don't we get into this whole voting thing? Because uh, a couple of weeks ago, somebody, I'm not going to mention names, spoke out and said that he would never vote for Aaron Rodgers because he is a bad guy. Okay, this is what uh, has been said throughout the press over the last couple of years. And and even with the whole COVID-19, him not taking a shot, uh, I guess a lot of people want to take shots at Aaron Rodgers because maybe he's not a good guy on and off the field, which that, I beg to differ. We had somebody on the show uh, who played with him, Jarrell Worthy, who came, he came on the show yesterday and says, whoever's saying that Aaron Rodgers isn't a good guy and he's not a good team leader, well, he, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. But – do you agree with some of these voters on taking shots at players and speaking out, not really keeping it within the 50, 51 guys, and really speaking out and throwing themselves under the bus where now people are believing that these writers should not be voting for the MVP? Well, we're allowed to talk a little bit about sort of what our criteria are and how we make the decisions that we make. We're not supposed to reveal our votes until the actual awards are handed out. So I'm not supposed to say who I voted for for awards, but I can say who I voted for for the all-pro team mm. since that's already been revealed. Look, the fact is that we vote, you know, the, there's really no explanation of what you're supposed to vote for. The award is called Most Valuable Player, and what Most Valuable Player means you have to sort of make up for yourself. So if some people believe that you really have to incorporate like what a player does to influence his teammates. Um, you know, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. The wins and losses show that Aaron Rodgers is probably pretty good at influencing his teammates because they win a lot of games. Mm. So, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to judge him whether I agree or disagree with his, um, with his opinion on vaccinations is not, I think, a reason to vote for him or against him for MVP. Mm. It's really about who was the most valuable player this year in the NFL. And that incorporates not just the stats that a player put up, mm. but also who their teammates were. Right. Because, you know, I, I, I will say that when I vote, I voted for Rodgers as the all-pro quarterback. Right. And the reason why I chose him over Brady was that I felt that he had to overcome more mm. because of the injuries on the Green Bay offensive line. And yes, there were some injuries, obviously, to receivers in Tampa Bay, but that was mostly towards the end of the season. And for the most part, I felt Brady had more to work with than what Rodgers Rogers had to elevate uh, players that other than Devontae Adams were not necessarily elevated on their own. So not really specifically one year, because you mentioned you've worked in this for 18 years now. The process of that kind of thing, has it changed a lot from when you first started to now? And also a lot of the analytics that you mentioned, like how much of those are factored into it? You mean for my voting? I mean, listen, yes. the fact that I'm one of the voters is, I think, a demonstration of the change. Mm -hmm. The fact that the Associated Press – 
approached this guy who, one, basically runs an independent website. Yeah, I'm not affiliated with any major newspaper or radio station or television station or anything like that. Yes, I do have the content agreement where I contribute to ESPN Plus, but for the most part, I'm pretty independent. And the fact that I'm an analytics voice, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not an insider. It's right in the name of my website that we are not insiders. That's why we called it Football Outsiders. And the <laughs> fact that they were open to the idea of me being one of the voters is, I think, a demonstration of the change in how people are considering analytics as a way to analyze the NFL, that you don't just, it's film study and uh, you know, the personal relationships with players is, is not the only ways to analyze the NFL. So, I mean, I will say I take statistics pretty, pretty hardcore in deciding who I was going to vote for, for the all pro team. But I also consider film, like there are a couple people who I trust as, as offensive line gurus, like Brandon Thorne. And when I came up with my idea for who I wanted to vote for on the offensive line, I ran it past him and said, does this sound crazy to you? Like, and last year, I know one of the people that I I was thinking of voting for, he said, don't don't vote for that guy. And I didn't. And I didn't because there's certain film gurus on certain positions where the stats are harder to uh, harder to get where where I do trust what they have to say. And of course, also, I watch all the games myself. I mean, I watch football nonstop all weekend. So, so Aaron, I before I ask my question, I need to know when is the deadline for you guys to submit? the MVP, the coach of the year, rookies of the year. When is that deadline to put in for the awards? Wednesday after the season ends. Okay. So I'll tr- I'll turn my question a little bit. So obviously we've kind of had a two-horse race now for MVP. It was either Brady or Rodgers. Now you might have thrown your name out. I'm not trying to get you in trouble, I promise. But most people I've heard talk about this, it's a two-horse race. Do you think that being that they've had completely two different outcomes in the postseason, yes, they both lost, but one had a kind of a dud and the other one had a great comeback that was foiled by a blown defensive thing. First of all, Brady had a dud too. Mm -hmm. Brady did not play well. I said the the same thing. I love you, Aaron. I said the same thing. It was the Rams practically almost gave the game away. It wasn't Tom Brady. But but Brady did play really well the week before. Yes, he did. So Brady did did have one really strong playoff game. And so did Aaron Rodgers. Well, he didn't. No, he, no, he didn't play. play. He didn't play. But I'm talking about. I'm talking about his last game. But you, you know what I mean. Uh, he didn't play because they had the bye week. But yes, Brady had a good game the week before. But he was. He played against a team that he's much better than. So you would if, expect if that. What you're asking is, shouldn't we give these awards after the postseason? No. Yes. I mean, then the awards are very different. The fact is, all four major American sports give the awards based on regular season play. And the voting takes place right after the regular season is over. If you wanted to give the awards after the postseason, they would become different awards. You could do that. I would have no problem voting on MVP after the Super Bowl. And perhaps my opinion of who should be MVP would change from the fact that, you know, how Brady and Rodgers played in the playoffs. But as of now, the way it works is you vote on the regular season and we turn in our votes right when the regular season ends. We are talking to Associate Press, uh, MVP voter, and ESPN NFL analyst Aaron Schatz. Now, 
I, I agree with you. I, when you when you look at the regular season, after the season is over, you put in your votes. That That's the way it goes. It, you know, the playoffs are completely different than the regular season, as everybody knows. There's an MVP of the playoffs after the Super Bowl. So we understand that's how it goes. But what were your thoughts going into divisional games this past week? And you look at the Bengals. They're, they have a young quarterback, a, a, pretty much a young team. Jamar Chase is a rookie. Uh, I believe is going to be rookie of the year. He was sensational all season long. And and, and Joe Burrow is coming back from a major injury uh, of that magnitude, coming back from a four and something record the, the season before in his rookie season, and has then wins the division, a division that they had no nobody even thought had any chance of winning. What were your thoughts of Joe Burrows really stepping up and knocking off the number one seed, Tennessee Titans? Well, I mean, the Tennessee Titans, you know, I got in a lot of trouble online for talking about this. But by our numbers, the Tennessee Titans were the worst number one seed of all time. Mm -hmm. While I expected them to win their first playoff game because they were healthy and because of the power of the bye week, it was not a huge shock for them to fall to Cincinnati. Um, I don't think Cincinnati is as good as a lot of people believe. Uh, it's not that they don't have a chance to beat Kansas City. Certainly, it's the NFL. Every team's got a shot. You know, nobody is New Mexico State in the NFL, <laughs> right? Uh, but uh, Cincinnati is um, their their defense is very mediocre, and their offense is very boom or bust. They're very dependent on really big plays, and my. God, does Burrow take a lot of sacks, mm. a lot of sacks, and not just because the offensive line is bad. He holds on to the ball too long. He runs backwards. He takes sacks for more yardage than he should have taken the sacks for. There was one that was a 16-yard loss that knocked them out of field goal range against Tennessee. It was a terrible sack to take. So, uh, I mean, I think Burrow is a very talented player who had a very strong year. But the fact the sacks in the past and the um, the pocket presence is an issue with him. So I with the teams left, you're kind of seeing the the offensive transition into the league, and even a lot of the eight teams that were remaining at the end of the divisional round. Do you think now in today's game that every team is kind of required to have either a top quarterback or a offensive type coach like Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay, something like that? to succeed in today's game? Or do you think there's still going to be a transition where you might go back somewhere uh, to a different direction? Well, the two things I'd say is, first of all, throughout the NFL, the history of the NFL, but especially since 1978 and the liberalization of passing rules, offense has been more important in the NFL than defense. So for the quarterback position to be the most important position in the game and for offense to be more important than defense, this is not new. This is the way it's been, you know, since 1978, um, I think that the NFL is cyclical and, you know, often, you know, passing will, will rule over everything and then, you know, running, it'll get a little easier to run and then running will become more important for a little bit, not more important than passing, but more important than it used to be, mm. right? They'll get a little closer together in their importance and then that'll free things up for passing and then passing will become super important again. Uh, but there's always going to be room for defense-oriented teams that go on runs. There's always going to be room for a team like the 2015 Broncos mm -hmm. or the 2000 Ravens that doesn't necessarily have a great quarterback or, in the case of the 2015, uh, 2015 Broncos, has the corpse of a formerly great quarterback. Um, there will be always room for teams like that 
to go on runs. So, I mean, if you're a team that doesn't have a top quarterback, that doesn't have Mahomes or Allen or Herbert, I don't think you give up. Uh, but there's no question that the the most important and best piece to get is a young star quarterback, and trying to build a winner without one is much harder. Yes, I would say so. So being that we're in New York, both the Jets and the Giants, and obviously the Bills because they're a New York team too. Most people don't claim them. I don't know why. They're the only good team we have. But when you look at the, they all have three very young quarterbacks, and all three are completely different and where they are in the sense of their career. One's a stud, one's an unknown, and the other one is inconsistent at best. And being that the Jets and Giants are both, right now, no offense, dumpster fires, do you see a way where maybe they can right the ship and quickly get it done? For the Giants, I think it's an offensive line. But when you look at Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson, are there pieces that the Giants and Jets can go get that will immediately help them play better? Sure. I mean, you can always improve the team around a player and – a good, you know, better offensive line would be good for Daniel Jones. A better offensive line would be good for Zach Wilson. Um, the fact is, it is very rare to have a quarterback play as badly as Daniel Jones in his first three years and kind of put it together. Usually, if you haven't put it together, at least to get to a certain level by the end of your second year, it's not going to happen. And there are exceptions like Alex Smith, but it's rare. Usually if a player, a quarterback is below replacement level in his first couple of years, he's not going to become a star. And so if I'm the Giants, I start looking into moving on from Daniel Jones. I know what they said. There's no question that the owner was right when he said we didn't make it easy on this guy. But, um, you know, talking yourself into guys who've been bad in their early years, you end up with a situation like Carolina had where you trade a second round pick for Sam Darnold only to have Sam Darnold continue to suck on your team. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it turns out that, gee, he really wasn't that good. Uh, Zach Wilson is a different issue because it's only been one year of really bad play. And and he got, and he got better at the end of the season. We see, Yeah. yeah, we see what he does in his second year. And I am a believer in that coaching staff. I think Sala was a good hire. He seems to be a smart guy. So, and LaFleur, uh, what is it, Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they they seem to be on the right path as far as how the team is run. So let's, you know, try to build more around Wilson and see what Wilson gives you next year. As everybody knows, we are talking to Associated Press, MVP voter and ESPN NFL analyst Aaron Schatz. Uh, and, and you were just talking about Zach Wilson. I could say the same thing. I, I, you have to see growth, and you saw growth in the second half of the of the season. Uh, I, I do believe that the Jets are missing some wide receiving play. They don't have a number one right now. Corey Davis isn't the answer. Uh, Elijah Moore looked like he was good, and then he got hurt. So injuries did play a big part on on the growth of the kid. And I could say the same for Daniel Jones. I don't think the Giants put the right wide receivers and the talent around him for him to succeed. Uh, I, I do also agree with you that it takes. Takes a couple of years. It only takes one to two years after his se- his rookie season to really figure out if he's a star or not. But how could you say he's not going to be a star when you didn't put the right players around him? So I do agree in certain things that you're saying. But I, I look at what we've seen with these young quarterbacks that have come into the league the last couple of years. You talked about Justin Herbert, who a lot of people believe is going to be a star in this league. 
But Justin Herbert in the second half of the season, he made a lot of mistakes and really he was an anchor, not a guy, a catalyst that was going to take this team over the top and squeak them into the playoffs. And even Derek Carr, who's not very well respected in the league for some reason, when this kid, when he does have a full season and he does get the opportunity to play and, and play at the top level, he shows that he can be amongst the best quarterbacks in the league. When you look at these quarterbacks, Aaron, and, and you wonder and you try to compare and contrast who's the next guy, who's the next Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, Andrew Luck, who retired at a young age. Who's the next guys that we're going to be talking about for the next 10 years? Could you tell me in order, besides Patrick Mahomes, who you are looking towards the future of the NFL and who the next quarterbacks in line are going to be? Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about with the idea that Herbert wasn't getting it done in the second half. I, I don't look at numbers. You just said it yourself. When you look by, at the numbers. By our numbers, he was the number five quarterback mm-hmm. this year in mm-hmm. total passing value. And he can also run with the ball. Mm-hmm. And then in the last game of the season, with their playoff spot on the line, mm-hmm. he converted what seemed like 347 straight fourth and long. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the Wayne game. Herbert is not going to be a star in this league. Justin Herbert <clears throat> is a star in this league. Absolutely. In fact, I said something a little controversial earlier this week. Mm -hmm. Given the game-to-game consistency, I would rather have Herbert than Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. Because Allen, as great as he is when he is great, has a lot more bad games than Herbert has had over two years. I I would agree with you. And I like Justin Herbert. He's one of my favorite young quarterbacks in the league. But there were games this year against the Texans where the defense didn't play well, and he didn't play well. He threw, uh, what did he throw, one or two interceptions in the game. When you're playing against a bad defense and you're supposed to show you're supposed to show up in a game that you're supposed to win and you lay up a lousy goose egg, to me, you have to look at that and you have to say, well, as good as he is and as talented as he is when he plays against the better quarterbacks and the better teams, he, he lays up these, the, even the year before that. Last year, his rookie season, there were a couple of games that stood out to me against the wor- the the more nah, he talented was team against the Patriots, and he sucked against Baltimore this year. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, he he's he's a stud. I, I, I again, I love Justin Herbert, but there were a couple of games that stood out to me that I can honestly say uh, I didn't I, I didn't think that he played well. And, as far and, as you know, the star young quarterbacks are. I mean, we know the names of the mm-hmm. star young quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, Mahomes, Herbert, Allen, Burrow. Kyler Murray, uh, Prescott, I think still qualifies as a young star quarterback. You know, he's not as young as the other, those other guys. You mentioned Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray didn't show up in the playoff game. Yeah, he did not show up in the playoff game. But again, you, I think you look longer term rather than just looking at a playoff game. I also would not shut the door on, on Lawrence. The fact is we all thought that Trevor Lawrence was one of the best prospects to come out of the college game in quite some time. Mm -hmm. And he just got put into a horrific situation. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to see who they hire as head coach. Byron Leftwich. Trevor Lawrence this year. Byron Leftwich. Mm-hmm. That if Trevor, yeah, right. I mean, which is an interesting hire because he's got the history in Jacksonville, but it's not like he has a history as a young quarterback whisperer. Right. But I would not be shocked if Trevor Lawrence took a huge step forward next year because the talent is all there. It wasn't Byron Leftwich there with uh, Jameis Winston. 
And 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 Byron Byron Leftwich wasn't good with Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston didn't grow. He actually fell apart at the end of his career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, obviously, yeah, Tom Brady's been offensive coordinator there for three years. Right. So that was the last Winston year and then the two time. Right. Year. And he's still at 5,000 yards. So, yeah, 5,000 yards and he threw 30 interceptions. So, I mean, again, it's not Tom Brady when you have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time uh, behind the helm and actually you're calling plays. And Tom Brady's saying, yeah, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. You know, because Tom Brady is one of the greatest quarterbacks. So he, you could call we'll, any play. We'll see what happens. Look, Look at Adam Gase. Head coaches is you see these guys have are coordinators and you can have some sort of opinion of their abilities as coordinators. But until they actually serve as head coaches, you don't know. Mm-hmm what they are like as CEOs who have to oversee an entire football team, let alone the sort of strategic decisions that you have to make in game, like time management and fourth down decisions. Right. We just don't know what Byron Leftwich will be like when it comes to those things. We don't know what Matt Eberflus will be like. We don't know what Nathaniel Hackett will be like. Like, so judging head coaching hires is often very difficult because these guys have never served as head coaches before. And it's not the same job as coordinator. There are people who were great coordinators and terrible head coaches. The North, North Turner, Turner being one of them. Right. We, we just said the same thing. I could say the same thing. North Turner, awesome offensive coordinator. Uh, everywhere he's gone as an offensive coordinator, they've succeeded. When he becomes a head coach, he's failed. Terrible. He's yeah. failed. So you're absolutely right. So I want to ask about the home field advantage not being the same effect as, as it's been in years past. We saw stretches of the season, most of the season, where the road teams are actually winning more games than the home teams. And yeah. even a lot of those more dominant home field advantages over the years, Seattle, New England, the Saints, the Packers, it wasn't like the same as it was in the years past. Do you see this kind of being a new trend, or do you think it will revert back where you have some dominant home field advantages? No, I think it's a new trend. In all professional sports, the home field advantage has been dropping in recent years. So uh, some people have done some math analysis and discovered that it was about a point this year, which is a lot less than historically, but is more than zero. So I think that that's probably the long term where things are going to settle is that it's, you know, home, there will still be something called home field advantage, but it's nowhere near as big as what we have known it as in the past. So my question, I, look, there's other things to talk about besides quarterbacks in this league. And you obviously vote for more than just the MVP. To me, Coach of the Year is one of the hardest things you could possibly judge. Because players, you have the stats. And besides win and loss, it's kind of hard to determine whether the player is that good or was the coach's impact more than the player's impact. That To me, that's one of the hardest things you can vote for. So when you vote for a Coach of the Year or Executive of the Year or GM of the Year, what do you consider as far as how you would – give somebody that award when you don't have data, obviously on them or film study on them. What goes? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, We don't vote for executive of the year. That's actually not one of the AP awards, but coach of the year of course is, and it is a very difficult award just for exactly this kind of subjective reasons that you talk about. I mean, we can consider things like, look, I'm an analytics guy, right? So I wave the flag for being aggressive on fourth downs. And one of the things that I did consider when looking at coach of the year was I wanted a coach who was more aggressive on fourth downs, because the fact is that that is an easy way that coaches can improve win probability for their team. That being said, there are a lot of good coaches who are not that aggressive on fourth downs, like the last four coaches left in the, in the, in the conference championships, other than Reed are not aggressive on fourth down at all. So uh, it's not the only thing there. So you, 
you're right. It's that very subjective and you have to try to consider like how much does a coach make his players versus how much do the players make the coach and how much is a coach responsible for scheme and uh, how much of it is managing around injuries. And it's, it's definitely a different, difficult award to pick. As you guys know, we are talking to Associated Press MVP voter and ESPN NFL analyst, Aaron Schatz. Uh, last question for me, uh, you were just talking about coaches and uh, over the last couple of days, obviously there's new coaches and, and Dan Quinn, uh, was very high on a lot of people's list to be their next head coach. And then today, or this morning, uh, there was a story coming out that he is going to stay with the Cowboys. Uh, I, To me, when you look at what Dan Quinn has done in this league, and I, I think he has been a successful head coach with the Atlanta Falcons. He did take a team to the Super Bowl. I know he, he lost a, a game that he should have won. But uh, you look at Dan Quinn. Are you surprised that Dan Quinn decided to just – Stay with the Cowboys where he had, he was on the Giants. Some people say he was ahead of the Giants yep. list. Well, were, yeah, were I am surprised? surprised because here's the thing. Defense is less consistent than offense. Mm-hmm. And there's a strong chance that that Dallas defense is not going to be as good next year, which means Dan Quinn will not be as popular a candidate next year as he is this year. So I am absolutely surprised that he made that decision. So last question for me, one a bold prediction for all the conference championship games and a Super Bowl pick. Who do you think it'll be? Um, a bold prediction. Um, I'm trying to think of what's particularly bold. Um, there's a really fun prop out there for Debo Samuel to have both a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. How's that? I'll all right. A bold prediction. All right. My, my Super Bowl pick is, is the Chiefs. I think they're the best team left. I have a really hard time picking between the 49ers and the Rams, but I guess I guess I'll say the 49ers. So Chiefs mm-hmm. over 49ers again. 54 rematch, huh? Uh yeah, but um I mean I think the Rams and 49ers. I love the 49ers plus the three and a half points, but I feel as far as picking an absolute winner of that game, it's pretty 50 50. Hmm. Interesting. So I guess we're doing last questions, right? That's what we seem like. So for the final shot here. You've obviously, you said 18 years you've been doing analytics? Yeah, 18 years. So, obviously, you I don't know if you have any of these analytics stored in your brain, but I'm sure that you have most of them stored there. When um, you look at analytics and you look at everything, who's a couple of players you looked at and said, there's no possible way this guy's that far ahead analytically than everybody else? Oh, I mean, you know, the the players who are most ahead of other players at their position are Justin Tucker and Aaron Donald. That, that's interesting because, uh, like you like you were just saying, with Justin Tucker, he's one of the best kickers we've ever seen, and the greatest and, kicker of all time. Yes, and Aaron Donald, uh, who there's a lot of great defensive linemen we've seen over the years, a fantastic uh, 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 defensive lineman, and Aaron Donald has has stood out amongst the rest and and by the way this is the seventh year in a row that he's been an all-pro player so uh it's it's fantastic and only i think there's only two other players no there's two there's two other players that have been i think 
there were two other players. One had eight times, and the other one had nine or something like they that. They were, like, in the 60s or 70s yeah. or something. Not recent. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was, I think, a Bears linebacker, and I think Bruce Matthews was the other one. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't remember who it was, yeah. but I, he's set seven in a row. So Aaron Donald has been the most dominant force, the most dominant defensive player we've seen in a very, very long time. So I agree with you. By the way, Aaron, I really appreciate you joining us, and I definitely would love to get you back on, especially when the draft comes along, because uh, everything that's, you know, this year, a lot of people are saying that this draft doesn't really stand out as as good. We've had a lot of specialists. There's a lot of talent in this draft. I, I, I agree. I agree. It's the quarterback position. No, they not stand out. I, I agree with that you. Position is not good. I agree with you, but there are people telling us that you know we've had them on the show, and they're telling us that this draft class is not even close to what it was the last two years, which I beg to differ. And they're saying there's no predominant number one pick this year, where you could be drafting from one to ten and get yourself uh, get yourself a, a good player in any point, any one of these positions that could be the number one targeted player. So I, I don't know, uh, but. Uh, Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Sure. I mean, the website is footballoutsiders.com. Check out all of our work there, both film study work and uh, number analytics. And our big uh, Rams 49ers preview that I wrote is at the top of the site right now. You can follow on Twitter. It's FB Outsiders. Or you can follow me on Twitter at F-O underscore A shots. That's spelled A-S-C-H-A-T-Z. One question for me before I let you go. If you were to choose in the next five years who the number one quarterback in the league is going to be, five years, who do you think it is? Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Okay. So everybody over there and my friends that are listening to the show right now that say that Patrick Mahomes won't be the number one targeted quarterback in the league five years from now, well, you heard it from an analytic guy. Thank you, Aaron, for joining us. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Aaron Schatz, uh, Associated Press MVP voter, ESPN NFL analyst, uh, very, very nice guy. Knows what he's talking about, obviously. And I see what Jeff is writing on the other side telling me this and this and that. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's, it's great where somebody attacks me with my knowledge. Listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all over the place trying to figure out where I'm going to hit and where I'm going to ask these guys questions. I'm not going to ask the same boring questions everybody asks every single day. So I, that's, uh, to me, I, Jeff could say whatever he wants, and that's fine. Jeff doesn't – me and Jeff have our own opinions towards what we believe and what we think. But, uh, at, listen, Aaron, Aaron believes that Justin Herbert had a great season, and he, he's a star right now. I would, I would say you, I like, I like Justin Herbert. I like him a lot. Anybody that knows it, I thought Justin Herbert was the best player, uh, best quarterback in his draft class. And, and I'm one of the only guys that really believed that. All right? And then, you, you, but when I saw him play in games this year that he should have won and he should have dominated, he didn't show up. When he played against the Texans, he should have showed up. He should have thrown 400 yards against that defense. That defense isn't any good. And, and you know what he did? He allowed it, laid, laid up a lousy goose egg and a defensive team that it was, wasn't really a good defensive team all season long, especially against the, the good teams. Uh, and he laid up a lousy goose egg, and, and they gave up 40 points in that game. So uh, I, I disagree. I think Justin Herbert has a lot more to go. I do think he's going to be a star in his league. I just don't think he's there yet, like he was saying. Carl, right. Carl also says Quinn is 43 and 42 for his career. Yeah, but, and uh, Curry and Mahomes, Errol loves it. Uh, for, first of all, I, and by the way, uh, Stephen Curry, who started off the season very, very strong, and everybody was saying was the MVP, predominantly has fallen apart. 
And uh, he went from almost averaging 30 points a game to 25. So I don't think Curry's going to be the MVP of the league this year. But Curry's, you know, I don't really care. And I, I don't hate Patrick Mahomes. I don't know why anybody thinks that I do. I, I, I had an argument with a friend the other day, and he told me that Patrick Mahomes in five years won't be the number one quarterback in this league. And I said, um, uh, who do you think is going to be better than him? He's like, there's other quarterbacks that will be coming into the draft, Justin Herbert uh, and obviously Burrow and all these other guys. And I say, well, right now it, it's Patrick Mahomes and everybody else because Aaron Rodgers will be retired in five years. Uh, but Tom Brady's definitely going to be retired. Uh, we know we know all about the other quarters. Ben Roethlisberger just retired. So there's, I mean, it's a different it's a different stand of quarterback. So I, I think Aaron is right, uh, but we might be surprised because five years from now, another Manning will be coming into this. <laughs> so uh, it, it could be very different five years from now. But as of right now, it's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, in just a few moments, uh, in twenty minutes, we're going to have. Uh, uh, Brandon Lloyd, uh, talking 11-year NFL vet, uh, you know, ex-vet, who's going to be telling us what he's doing right now in his retirement stages of his career. And uh, we'll talk about his, his great NFL illustrious career. Who, he was a good wide receiver. He had um, a, a quite good career playing in the NFL. And he, 11 years in the NFL is not too shabby, that's for sure. So he will be joining us in just a few moments. I do want to get into... Uh, this baseball Hall of Fame situation, okay? And I didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday. We we talked a lot of football. Uh, and I'm a little thrown off with uh, the voting and how they vote. And like we were talking about it with uh, Aaron Schatz, who, by the way, reach out to Aaron. Tell, tell him thank you for joining us. He was great. Um, but when you look at the, the voting and the ballots, and, and over the last couple of years, and really the last 25 years when we talk about Jeff Kent. Albert Bell, these guys, some of the greatest players of their positions and some of the greatest players of their time, not getting the respect, not getting the voting, not getting the opportunity to uh, have the experience of getting getting inducted into the Hall of Fame like they should have. And I don't care. Everybody says Albert Bell did steroids. There is no proof that he did steroids. Okay? Albert Bell was one of the best Set for five, six years, there was nobody that had better numbers than Albert Bell. RBIs, home runs, uh, on-base percentage, it doesn't even come close. And even batting average. I mean, he batted, he hit over 310 for five or six of, of his top time of his years. But to me, the way this voting, and especially when it comes to baseball voting with these different writers and these old writers, it's not young writers, these old writers, you know, walking away or turning their heads to players because – one, they didn't like them. Two, they didn't respect them when they were uh, asking them questions when they were pre- working the press, when they were working for those organizations or those teams. Or three, just plain old, just couldn't stand them or didn't want to even look at his face. Okay? To me, the way this voting is, it has affected baseball and it's turned me away from even caring who goes to the Hall of Fame. But not only that. When you look at this year's voting and look at the people on the ballot, Barry Bonds, who was la- this was the last time his name is on the ballot. Roger Clemens, last time on the ballot. Kurt Schilling, uh, one more year and he'll be off the ballot. That the only player that got inducted into the Hall of Fame was a DH. And he, I think he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's the first DH in history to be voted in 
on the first ballot. Am I right or wrong? I can believe that. The DH was only not invented until 1973. Edgar Edgar Martinez wasn't first ballot, so. No, I think David Ortiz is the first DH in in MLB history to be inducted as a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I'm not going to take shots at David Ortiz because I, he killed the Yankees. He was a great player. One of the greatest playoff players we've ever seen, especially for the Red Sox. But what bothers me is there's physical proof that he did performance-enhancing drugs, okay? He did PEDs. There's no question that he did, all right? And he doesn't deny it. He didn't deny it. But he, he claims he did it for a certain amount of time. And then, you know, and, and, and he says the PD that he did, he didn't know that it was illegal, which I think is a crocky you-know-what. Now you sound like Robinson Cano. <laughs> okay, so to me, when you know he did performance-enhancing drugs, and you know, I, I, don't, I don't care if you liked him, he was a nice guy, I don't give a crap, okay? If you did performance-enhancing drugs, you should not be inducted in Hall of Fame just like everybody else. But year in and year out, guys like Jeff Bagwell, who we all know did steroids. There's no question that he did steroids. There's no reason why Jeff Bagwell should be in the Hall of Fame. Mike Piazza, which which we don't have any proof that he did steroids. He he has done steroids in one way or another in his career. Now, again, there's no proof. And I was just reading somebody that wrote something to me. Uh, on a text message about uh, um, Cincinnati, one of the one of the coaches could be uh, taking another job for in the NFL. I, oh, I, the I really... Gi- yeah, the, the ex Giants DC that uh, that's now with the Bengals. Lou Anaramo was the guy that was getting a couple interviews. Uh, the Giants were the most recent one to interview him, which is interesting. But it seems like they were the ones mostly on Dable. Miami was also in the running for Dable, too, so that'll be interesting. But, yeah, Anorama was the guy I was hearing for that. I, I think right now when you when you look at the big picture and you look at the voting, and I, I know a lot of people are going to sit here and they're going to throw curveballs at this, and I'm literally throwing curveballs at this, <laughs> because uh, they a lot of people think that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds, and I don't know if you guys would disagree with me on this. Barry Bonds was a Hall of Famer before he even did Roids. 100%. He had 400 home runs, 400 stolen bases. One of the greatest defenders you'll ever see. uh, Seven gold gloves before he even went to San Francisco. Okay? And he should be in the Hall of Fame. You want to put an asterisk around his home runs after 450 or 400? That's fine. You want to do that? That's fine. Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. Roger Clemens, Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. Before he left Boston, I think he had over three thousand strikeouts or something around there. He had like eighteen hundred strikeouts in Boston. Then he went to Toronto, dominated in Toronto. Then went to the Yankees. Well, he did. I, a lot of too. people, a lot of people said that he started doing steroids when he was on Toronto. So well, if that, if that's the case, that's fine. He was a he was a Hall of Famer before he even went to Toronto. Here's my whole issue with this, right? So let's just say. The steroid thing is bothering the steroid voters, right? So, yeah. okay. Yeah, but there are guys that should be. Why is Billy Wagner not in the Hall of Fame? Billy Wagner is one of the greatest closers you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But he's not in the Hall of Fame. No steroid connection. Todd Helton, one of the greatest hitters I've ever seen. 
No steroid connection. Not in the Hall of Fame. Go By the way, gold glove first baseman. One of the greatest defensive first basemans you've ever seen is not in the Hall of Fame. Andy Pettit. Who Andy was Pettit. Of- the big, the best big game pitcher. And a nice lifetime. guy. And a nice guy. And a very humble nice guy. And, and But he did PEDs or some kind of uh, HGH. Right. But he's not in the Hall of Fame. But, but yes, he who? admitted to that. Yep. And he only did so it did to David get back Ortiz. from injury. So did so David Ortiz. So here's the thing I have, and I agree with you 100%. I'm going to take this a step further. If you are not going to vote for suspected steroid voters, don't vote at all. Turn in your uh, card and be like, I can't do this anymore. Because you're now ruining it. This is a joke. This is an absolute joke. Oh, by the way, next year, there's nobody, nobody that better not vote for Joe Maurer. That dude is a first ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Famer. If he is not a first ballot Hall of Famer, it's rigged, it's a joke. Sorry, not everybody's Jeter and Mariano and Junior and the kid and this, that, and the other. You have to start voting for these guys. I'll tell you who should be on, it should definitely be a Hall of Famer next year, and that's Carlos Beltran. Okay, that's a guy that should be a Hall of Famer. I think he's on the ballot. I, he is on the ballot next year. He, he is on the ballot next year. And I, 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 I don't think Joe Bauer. Ba- uh, Joe Mauer, next year. Twenty seventeen was his last year in the league. Yeah, so yeah. That makes Joe sense. Mauer is not on the on on no, the. He is. is he? I didn't see him on the list. He was on. He was on. He was on the ballot. Yeah. Mauer, Brandon Phillips. Brandon Phillips. Wow. Yeah, Brandon Phillips is on that list. I'll find it. I he's just, a, I the best second ba- defensive second oh, base that I've yeah. seen. I, uh, his offensive numbers, yeah, he, I didn't know bring, that was uh, No, he's not no, going to get I, in. I, I think Joe Maurer is a borderline Hall of Famer. I'm not going to say he's definitely a Hall of Famer. Carlos Beltran is one of the greatest playoff players of all time. He, he really is. You look at his playoff numbers, how many players could you honestly say has played as good or better than Carlos Beltran in the playoffs? Okay, uh, David Ortiz, Derek Jeter, Bernie Williams, Paul O'Neill. Maybe those guys are right there with him. I mean, it, to me, Carlos Beltran did so many things. And I, yes, he, he cheated or whatever the hell he David did. Wright. David Wright's out of Hall of Fame. He's probably not going because of his injuries. Him and Ryan Zimmerman are probably in the same boat where they're not, because of the injuries late in their career, they're not going to be. Yeah. I I don't think David Wright's a Hall of Famer. But I think Joe Maurer has a better chance of making the Hall of Famer than David Wright. Yeah. Um, I I think. Jose Reyes was also on the the, the (laughs) list. He's not a Hall of Famer. No, I'm just telling you. The only person that I think next year is a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my eyes, is Carlos Beltran. And, and, And to me, Carlos Beltran will be uh, pushed around by a lot of these voters because of what he did when he was getting a managerial job and in the cheating. And they're going to look at that and they're going to say he's a bad dude. But everything that I've read about Carlos Beltran as a team leader, as a player that pe- te- people respect and, and teams respected when they played against him, uh, I mean, seriously, l- listen to what St. Louis said when they played against Carlos Beltran. Okay, That they were pitching away because they knew that if they pitched anywhere around the strike zone, he was going to kill the ball. All right, oh. so I, I think that when you look, when you look at the league and, and you look at the MLB and, and really the way this is going, this voting thing is going, it has affected anybody's thought on who should be a Hall of Famer and who should not. Tim Raines should not be a Hall of Famer. Okay, let's be honest; he is not a Hall of Famer. There was another guy from the Chicago White Sox because Larusa was uh, on the Minoso, board. Minoso, yeah, uh, Many Minoso, I believe. Uh, it was. No, that wasn't Many Minoso. It was somebody else who played many, many years and had close to three thousand hits. Oh, uh, Harold Baines. Harold yeah. Baines. Yeah, Harold Baines was another one. He shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. He shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame, but oh, he is. That's interesting. I'm sorry. What? What's interesting? What do you spit out? Because, no, because uh, to me, to me, David Ortiz is he a Hall of Famer? Absolutely. 
Is he more of a Hall of Famer than Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens? No. The answer is not even close, okay? Not even close. And the fact that David Ortiz did performance-enhancing drugs, and so did you want to say that, and you want to say the same about Barry Bonds and, and Roger Clemens, David Ortiz should not be in the Hall of Fame. David Ortiz shouldn't have gotten as many votes. He shouldn't be a first ballot. He shouldn't be a second ballot. He shouldn't be a third ballot Hall of Fame. Famer. This is this is getting yeah, out of this is this is getting out of hand right now. The way the MLB is working this and how it, how they think or how they're predicting who should go into the Hall of Fame and who shouldn't, because it's not fair. Alex Rodriguez, who was on the ballot this year, had twelve percent of the votes. Alex Rodriguez, arguably the greatest baseball player of our era. Mm-hmm. And he's he's not going to get into the Hall of Fame. Yes, they did performance-enhancing drugs. There's no question that all these guys, we talk about Alex Rodriguez, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they all, and Pete Rose bet on baseball. No question that he did, okay? The fact is, when they played, they were amongst the best players in the league at their positions, and they're going to go down as some of the greatest players of all time. And the fact that they're completely disrespected by the writers is completely ridiculous. And to me, David Ortiz, again, and I, again, I'm, I, I, I think David Ortiz is a special player, one of the greatest DH players we've ever seen. He should not be in the Hall of Fame at all when there is proof and there is, it, it came out on what, what, what is that, the, the, the writing thing, Tim, what, whoever wrote, uh, got caught with steroids and did Tim? the drugs. What, what, what was that thing called when, when oh, they the couldn't Meyer come out? Report? The What is it? What, what was it I called? Think, I think it was the Meyer Report. Yeah. Right. Uh, it, 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 no, Speedy, you, you should know what it is, Mr. I Know Everything. Um, I, I forget what the report was, but it, it was, shouldn't have came out. Alex Rodriguez's name came out first. And then eventually David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez's name came out. And let me be honest with you. Manny Ramirez was more of a Hall of Famer than David Ortiz. Okay? A mu- you're, you're talking about one of the greatest power right-handed hitters we've ever seen. All right? And he did steroids, so he's not going to go to the Hall of Fame. I think the same guy. I'm sorry? I think there's two of the same. I think Manny was a better player. I think Manny had a better long, long-lasting career. David Ortiz played four or five years before he became a Red Sox when he was on Minnesota. Not, nobody even knew who he yeah, was. Yeah, but Manny, Manny ended bad. Manny ended bad because of all the stupid stuff that he did on and off the field. Okay? I, and then he went to the Dodgers, and he just didn't give a crap. And, and that, that's the facts. But, again, I, I think that when you look at Manny Ramirez, why is Manny Ramirez not in the Hall of Fame and David Ortiz is? They both were teammates, and I'm sure they both were sharing their needles, okay? <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, let's be honest. They were on the same team. They played on, uh, one batted third and the other one batted fourth. I, I mean, so as good as David Ortiz is and as good as David Ortiz has is going to be looked at as a first ballot Hall of Famer, he should not be in the Hall of Fame because, one, Manny Ramirez is in the Hall of Fame. Two, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are in the Hall of Fame. Any And Alex Rodriguez isn't going to see the light of day in the Hall of Fame. I think Aaron's going to get in. I don't think he is. I, I think so. Absolutely not. They're going to have to hope that the the writers become either younger or more progressive for that to happen. Dude. Now he's up to 34% this year, which I guess helps, but still, it's going to be still more of a That's 50-50 shot. Yeah, it's still going to be more of a 50-50 shot. So we thought Kurt year, Schilling was going to get him pretty for two easily. Years, Barry Bonds for two years had 60%. 60%. 
Right. And he, he couldn't get over the hump. And Kurt Schilling was up to 70 last year, then went down this year. Yeah. So I, I just, nothing's I guaranteed it. with that. Didn't until Schilling the, come out and say that he doesn't care if he gets in? Yeah, he did. He all did. All but right. Well, then that, he, that's, did, did you hear what Roger Clements said today? What did Roger Clements Roger Clements spoke out after he, he, he uh, lost his opportunity to get into the Hall of Fame. He said, for the last 10 years, I've already knew that I, I'm probably not going to the Hall of Fame. It doesn't. It doesn't He'll get in too. Uh, Roger Clemens is not. Some, yeah, they're, they'll get uh, written in later. Uh, we'll I see. hope they're alive. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. But Roger Clemens spoke out today, and he says it, he he didn't play the game to get into the Hall of Fame. He played the game because it was going to help his family and give his family riches, so they don't have but to see, worry. He's full of crap. No, I, I I understand that, but you have to sit there and say that it doesn't bother you because if the writers know he, it bothers you. Like Jeff I Kent, disagree. Jeff Kent, Jeff Kent came out how many times after he came off the ballot saying that what do I have to do? Do I have to dance around in front of the writers to actually get them to notice me? Right. I mean, like seriously. But I disagree because you look at Terrell Owens who said I don't care if I get into the NFL Hall of Fame, I'll make my own. He was wearing a gold jacket before he ever got in the. Go- it was a homemade jacket, but he was wearing that. Well, because I think it, it also it matter. with football. The don't like football, you, they don't I like think you. the writers are a little different in terms of not being like as closely oh, related they're, with they're the NFL ridiculous. type thing. Baseball has a baseball has a suck. problem of a hypocrisy more where because David Ortiz got in right away, yet Edgar Martinez, who maybe Ortiz's numbers were a little better overall, but not by much. Edgar Martinez, it took a while for him to get in the Hall of Fame, and then you're dealing with a case where Jeff Kent can't get in as a top power hitting second baseman and Piazza great at his position probably a second or third greatest catcher fourth greatest catcher I'm not saying Piazza shouldn't be in too. but yeah Kent couldn't get in for the same kind of thing where they had he's so position specific to the power why couldn't he get in type thing I think that the hypocrisy is a really big deal with that alright we have our first caller before we get Brandon Lloyd to join us uh, on uh, the feed who are we speaking to K-Dog K-Dog what's going on bud Oh, uh, nothing. You guys hear about this Mina Kimes drama? Oh, what, yeah, what? yeah. Jeff Garcia had a sexist comment. Yeah, that was terrible. What? 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 I, I didn't hear it. What's What's going on? I, I didn't hear anything. Uh, Mina Kimes, she came out and she said a snarky, little disrespectful comment saying, oh, Jimmy G, if this was a, in high school, he would be the kid that does nothing in the group project and he gets an A. Mm-hmm. Just a blatantly disrespectful, untrue, like... He's she's supposed self. to be this like analyst, like analytics person, and she's coming out here sounding like Skip Bayless, completely disrespectful comment. And she's surprised that she got pushed back. Like, no, he didn't play a good game, and that's perfectly fine. You can criticize his performance, but to say a snarky, disrespectful comment like that—that that was over the top. And Jeff Garcia came out and let it be known. He said, "That was who the heck is this chick, and what has she done?" She hasn't done nothing. He didn't say chick. He said, who is she? She isn't throwing a football, this and that. And uh, he, he went over the top, too. But I I sided with him more than her because it's just – it's one thing if me or you come on here and say something like that. But, dude, you're on ESPN, national television. These people just disrespect these athletes time in and time out. And it's getting old. It's just getting old. Like these these little nerds in here disrespecting these professional athletes. I, you're in the group project. You'd be getting an A, and you didn't do nothing. Honestly, it's like honestly, I could care less what Jeff Garcia says. He hasn't played football in 
like 12 years or whatever, how long he hasn't played in football. And, and, and whoever this lady is, I don't read anything that she says, and I, I don't even know who she is, so who cares what she says? Honestly, Jimmy G right now is one game away from going to another Super Bowl. Do you think Jimmy G cares what anybody is saying about him? He has a chance to win a Super Bowl this year. After all this stuff that's happened to him over the last couple of what do you what do you make? Am faces? I hearing you right? Yeah, yes. you bashed him this whole play. Uh, yes, bro. yes, but that has nothing to do with what they're saying. You no, understand? I, I get it. I but... bash, I bash him. Yes, because I don't think he's any good, and he didn't have a good game. But why would Jimmy G? Why would Jimmy G care what anybody is saying about him right now when he's one game away from playing in the Super Bowl? Again, after what, in a four-year span, he's got a chance to play in another Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl for the San Francisco 49ers, which, by the way, hasn't won since the 90s, okay? So I don't think Jimmy cares what Jeff Garcia says. I don't think Jimmy cares what this guy says or Skip Bailey says or even what I say. He could care less what I say because in the end, he could be laughing to the bank. So... That's all, I, that's all I can say about that, K-Dog. We got to let you go because we're going to have uh, Brendan Lloyd join us in just one second. Turtle! <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I want to have what he's having. Uh, whatever he's drinking, he's drinking something good. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back in, in this minute break, we're going to have the great, yes, the great ex-NFL 11-year player, Brandon Lloyd, here on the Sports Lab Notes. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy. I don't know if he's wearing underwear, Petey. And Tyler, oh, a.k.a. God. the Duff Harrison. Remember, you can call us at 631-672-3108. You go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I will say this. Uh, it's early in the show already, and we're doing... And we've had some craziness already happen. We have J Dog or T Dog call up from Chicago, Illinois, uh, and, and and have his little thoughts of what uh, everybody's saying about Jimmy G. And I'm not surprised because Jimmy G, if he's not hanging out with porno stars, uh, there's don't something knock going it until you try it. There's uh, nothing wrong with it. I didn't say I'm going to knock what he does, but obviously he's having his fun, and he's going to have a chance to have more fun if he wins uh, this coming weekend and knocks off. Uh, the Rams and goes all the way to the Super Bowl, which he's already done before twice this year. Anyways, uh, I was very excited to have this guy on. I, Speedy was telling me about a week and a half ago, he reached out to us uh, after Speedy wrote to him, and we're very happy to have him on. We are now talking to ex-NFL 11-year veteran wide receiver, Brandon Lloyd. What's going on, Brandon? Nothing much. What's going on, y'all? Good to have you. Absolutely. Good to, uh, good to be on. Yeah, well, it's good to have you. Uh, I mean, seriously. I mean, uh, you have had an amazing career. And uh, before we get into your amazing career, and we'll talk about the divisional games and, and what, what you think is going to happen this weekend. Um, what have you been doing since uh, your retirement? <laughs> I, I mean, seriously. Uh, you had a great year. A great career. Yeah, you know, I say retirement is when you really find out who you are <laughs> and um, especially coming out of the league. But uh, I had an opportunity to return back to the University of Illinois and get my undergraduate degree, which Congratulations. is a huge milestone. Thank you. Um, I um, am uh, enrolled in getting my MBA at the University of Denver currently. 
and I'm serving in the nonprofit space for um, uh, CareerWise Colorado. So we place high school students in uh, uh, white collar apprenticeships. And, um, and so that's just been uh, pretty impactful work. So, you know, combine that with a lot of philanthropy um, and just uh, and networking and uh, re reconnecting my relationships with my family and friends. So it's been a, um, a pretty uh, powerful retirement. You've had an illustrious career. You really did. 11 years in the NFL in one of the biggest and, and the best leagues in professional sports. You got to play with a lot of great teammates and a lot of great players. But we were just talking about the San Francisco 49ers. And by the way, you played for the San Francisco 49ers three years of your career. What was it like playing in San Francisco in the early 2000s? And and where you know being that you have you're an alumni now of all those San Francisco great teams that we've seen uh, you know in the '90s what you know the starting and the growth of what this team has become over the new the, the new era uh, what was it like playing for the San Francisco 49ers? Yeah, well, I, I played for the 49ers twice. I started mm -hmm. my career there, and then I went back and played in the 2014-15 uh, season right. under Harbaugh, mm -hmm. uh, but. <clears throat> You know, going there in 2003, which was the year after they lost to the New York Giants um, uh, in, the, in the playoffs, I was arrived at the team thinking it was, you know, there was a lot there. There was a lot of opportunity. But, you know, you were just talking about Jeff Garcia. Um, but the team, you know, ended up imploding, mm -hmm. you know, with uh, Jeff Garcia and the Terrell Owens beef. And so I had a, a front row seat at that <laughs> um, uh, debacle which was uh, which was pretty frustrating, you know, being a young person, being a, a new player in the league and wanting to find my way and needing some mentorship and then and not necessarily and not getting that from one of the greatest players to play at all time. We all knew it at the time. It, it wasn't a secret. Um, but um, but yeah, the, the the lore was still there. Bill Walsh was still cruising around. Terry Donahue, you know, may he rest in peace, um, uh, was still floating around the stadium. So the those legends were there. A uh, lot. Roger Craig, all those guys are still floating around the city and, you know, engaged in uh, business activities. So the the, you know, plan in the city of uh, and that was still that was when uh, we were playing in Candlestick. And so the stadium was still in the city. And so it was, it was a really neat vibe of um, of the city supporting the team the team having that, uh, that NFL lore and then those, uh, uh, uh hall of famers still being around. So it's definitely a, a fun, uh, town to play in completely different vibe playing in, um, in Silicon Valley, <laughs> <laughs> but it still has the, the same, uh, the, the, the same desire to win the same winning attitude and the same, uh, support from the fan base. So, um, you know, it was a tough, you know that was that was a tough end to Harbaugh's run there. Right. Uh, when when I got there, you know, again, just kind of you know a, a year late, <laughs> just like the first time. <laughs> so Errol usually asks this question, but since he didn't, I will. What was the draft night experience like for you? The moment you found out you were a San Francisco 49er back in 2003. Yeah, the it was more draft day. I always say the only person happy in the NFL draft is the first overall pick. Everybody else <laughs> thinks they should be drafted higher. So, um, you know, I was uh, scheduled to be a first day pick one through three and ended up slipping all the way to the fourth round. Mm. And so I wasn't picked until that uh, next morning. So uh, draft night, I was livid. <laughs> I'm sure you were. <laughs> and then um, I wasn't even watching it the next day and um, actually went to uh, 
uh, track meet because I was home in Blue Springs, Missouri, and I went to a track meet and was kind of spending the day um, at the track meet. And then I got a call from my agent like, hey, you need to get home. You know, the 49ers are going to pick you. So I, you know, got, got back home. And, you know, that call was more for me. Um, they were surprised because they were like, oh, dude, we we woke up and we couldn't believe your name was still on the list. But, you know, here we are. You're coming to San Francisco. And so for me, I arrived with a with a chip on my shoulder because I definitely wanted to prove that um, that that I had the talent to play at a, at a higher level than uh, what was projected of me. Mr. Lloyd, how are you? Obviously, Good. we've touched on San Francisco, and you played with a lot of my favorite players, Antoine Randall, Clinton Portis. He's one of my favorite running backs of all time. But but I'd be amiss if we didn't dive into the name you had said about two minutes ago. A lot of people to Terrell Owens, he's a bipolar figure. You either love him or you hate him, and a lot of people have no middle ground for the man. I am one of his biggest advocates. I, I Obviously, I wasn't in the locker room. You said you were a little frustrated that he didn't guide you, it seemed. What was Terrell Owens like as a teammate for that year in San Francisco? Oh, um, he, he was difficult. It was, it was difficult because what was challenging was uh, as a new player in the NFL, you know, we're so humble and we're so um, um, uh, malleable and we're just and we're uh, looking to give a lot of respect to coaches, ownership. Uh, and particularly the veteran players, they are the most important uh, people in a young player's career. And his actions went against everything that you're taught as a little league player, <laughs> as a high school player, a collegiate player. It just went against everything. You know, it's just the, from cussing out the coaches on the sideline to uh, not practicing, treating teammates with dis- disrespect. And so it was just, um, it was shocking. It was shocking to see as a, as a young player in the league, like, oh, this is really what the NFL is about. Mm. You know, uh, you know, that what we, what I was seeing on NFL films is not necessarily what I'm seeing in the locker room. So I, it was difficult. It was difficult to, uh, to watch uh, one person make a decision to sabotage the team. And then it happened, <clears throat> especially with the team with so much talent on it. So I, th- that was really frustrating. On the other hand, there was a lot to see because I had never seen anyone work so hard before uh, in the weight room. And in the days that he did practice, I mean, he had he would work out with bands on his legs to restrict his movement. And he was going in one-on-one periods against these defensive backs with restrictions on his legs <laughs> and, and, and just mopping people up. And it was just, and then he'd take the bands off about, you know, a quarter of a way through practice and just practice. I mean, it would just be a sight to see uh, him on the practice field. So there was a lot of positive in there where it's like, all right, um, uh, uh, the way he took care of his body, the way he, he ate, there was a lot of things to take away that I can put into my uh, quiver and kind of build my own player. Um, But uh, just kind of like what you were getting at is that, you know, it's frustrating that when you think about him and all the talent that he had, that it's the off the field stuff that that's gets in the way from really celebrating um, his athletic career. As everybody knows, we are talking to 11 year NFL vet uh, wide receiver, Brandon Lloyd, Brandon, uh, you've had – there was a lot of parts of your career where you had some great years. 
In 2010, you had your best year. Uh, I mean, you had over 1,400 yards. You had 11 touchdowns. You were a sensational player. I, I, I think you made the Pro Bowl that year as well. Yeah, Pro Bowl and All-Pro. Yes, yep. All-Pro. You were sensational. It really stood out. You really stood out as one of the best wide receivers in the league. Could you tell us about that year uh, being under Josh McDaniels and, 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 and all – all the things that we heard about Josh McDaniels as a head coach, where everybody says he was horrible, but you had your best year with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, you know, just for me coming from, well, leaving the Washington Redskins right. um, and uh, being – Be uh, careful I, now. Washington football team. The Washington football team. Uh, the, Sorry, I call them Washington football the team. <laughs> you know, two years into a seven-year deal and then being brought into Chicago by Ron Turner, who was my college football coach, you know, under Lovey Smith. He was, Ron Turner was the offensive coordinator. And so he really gave me uh, an opportunity to salvage my career um, after the bad press I was getting in, uh, in DC. And I tore my knee up leaving the, uh, during that bear season. And then again, got, got cut uh, mm-hmm. uh, on a, after my one-year deal. They, right. just, they didn't re-sign me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played with Orton there. Orton was in the trade with Cutler, ends up in Denver, and then he gives me a call. I mean, this was July. I was uh, getting ready to start a media career at the Big Ten Network. I was wow. um, thought I was done with football. You know, I was like getting ready to get uh, go back to school and mm-hmm. finish up my degree. This is 2008. This is 2009. And um, and I got a call in late July and or uh, at the beginning of July and Orton's like, hey, dude, what kind of shape are you in? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I've been uh, I play basketball Monday, Wednesday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday with the hip hop community <laughs> on the south side of Chicago. I play with some DJs and some rappers and some pastors out there. I'm uh, rock climbing uh, with some uh, chefs in my neighborhood here in Lake Forest, Illinois. On uh, two, on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and I'm um, uh, power limping, power lifting with my dentist, who's a you know an amateur triathlete, Russian <laughs> Jewish guy. He's like he's enormous. So I'm like I'm in a weird I'm in a weird good shape. <laughs> and so uh, Josh calls me up and brings me out to a workout in Denver, and I and I lit it up. And what Josh said to me, he says, "Do you remember I ran your pro day?" at the university of Illinois. And I was like, no, he was like, yeah, the Patriots, we ran your pro day at Illinois. He says, if you can play anywhere near the way you played, then mm-hmm. you'll, I'll make you all pro. Wow. <laughs> he wasn't wrong about that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was, it was, it was just an absolutely neat opportunity to, you know, cause my first year there was 2009 and that was when they were feeding Brandon Marshall. Yeah. Um, a bunch of balls and uh, Stokely and uh, Eddie Royal was a fan favorite. And so I was brought in as an insurance policy, but, you know, I was a seven year vet, so mm-hmm. I, I had a guaranteed contract. And so, you know, that uh, brought a lot of attention tr- to how Josh is managing the roster and the salary cap. And just that year, the players stayed remarkably healthy. You know, mm-hmm. it's one thing you can guarantee in the NFL is like receivers are going to get hurt. Of course. Yeah. And no one, no one got hurt. It, was, it wasn't until the end of the year when two of those receivers started faking it. They faked injuries <laughs> because they wanted to protect themselves going into uh, free agency and, right. and to the next season, and the team was losing. And so it gave me an opportunity to get on the field for, for two games. 
and you know, I, I had a lot to offer in those last couple games. And so um, once they traded away Marshall and made some other roster moves, it, you know, put me in the uh, number one receiver position. And, and it was just, you know, th- that 2010 season, I stayed remarkably healthy. I, I can't even explain it. You know, I was like 100% going into probably 10 of those games. It was, it was incredible. I was incredibly healthy mm. and, um, um, the other component to that was uh, Josh McDaniels actually believed in my talent. Mm-hmm. So I was actually able to uh, show um, uh, the display, the talent that everybody knew that I had. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, everyone's talking about, Oh, you have talent, you have talent, but I actually needed a coach to actually call my number. Right. And then the third component to that was Kyle Orton. And he actually picked me to throw the ball to, <laughs> you know, over all the other players, you know, that's the biggest component to uh, being a wide receiver and having that relationship. We actually liked each other. We got along with one another. We had similar interests. And so it was just really neat uh, friendship. And I think those are the three components that uh, led up to that. Obviously, uh, you know, I call it, you know, um, you know, I was uh, prepared for that. You know, I, I had prepared myself. It wasn't like I was sitting on the couch, you know, wishful, wishfully thinking, right. You know, um, it's the point where, you know, uh, uh, opportunity and effort meet is what I call it. Cause I've always considered myself an effort guy. I was always, you know, diving for the ball and trying, you know, doing extra to make the plays and doing, making the spectacular play. Um, so that effort has always been there, but then I had that opportunity with those two components, the head coach, the, an offensive coordinator who are the same person and the quarterback. So you play with six different teams. So you play with a lot of different quarterbacks and some of them right. are less, lesser known quarterbacks. Uh, well, with Washington, especially that year in that 2007 season was very impressive making the playoffs with Todd Collins. I remember that year. Cause I'm a, I'm and a Giants coach Joe fan. Gibbs too. Yeah. I'm a Giants fan. So I remember that year. Well, uh, three NFC East teams were in the playoffs, but the bears, the Broncos, like you were mentioning those St. Louis Rams, I'll put that out there. And the Patriots, <laughs> as you mentioned, the 49ers, is there any, uh, anything that stands out with any of those quarterbacks that you ever played with both either on or off the field that is something unique. Oh, well, uh, the, the most, the most unique is Tom Brady. Um, uh, just, uh, he's a incredible friend. And, and I think that's, um, it was a similar to like a high school relationship. You know, you, the, the way that Tom builds these relationships with, with his pass catchers and with his offensive linemen, with the running backs. It's just what he does is, um, is remarkable. Uh, and during a preseason, you know, before the New York Giants preseason game where the, we weren't, we weren't going to be playing, um, Bill announced that the starter, projected starters weren't going to play. And so Tom says to me, he says, all right, B. Lloyd. He says, you know, you know, we're not playing. We're not playing on Saturday uh, night. And the, and the Giants came. So meet me in the hotel lobby uh, after the team meeting, because we're not going to have to go to the meetings because we're not playing. It's like, all right. So we go to the team meeting. I meet him in a hotel lobby. You know, this is when he had the penthouse. Him and Giselle had the penthouse in New York. So, you know, he uh, has a chauffeur pick us up and, you know, me and him just takes me over to the Tom Ford store, has it completely shut down. Just me, him, wow. one of his Goldman Sachs buddies. And we just spent the morning together. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know, I'm not going to be a chump in here and just get a, a bottle of cologne. 
<laughs> so it's uh you know let me pick out three of these polos you know and tom's like calls the the um stylist over he's like man he's like put the put the james bond suit on b lloyd put the mohair suit on <laughs> put the mohair suit on the whole the the whole piece, all the pieces right and there's goldman sachs but he says tom he says um is uh is Brandon getting a discount you get when you're here? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon, you get the discount. I'm like, well, well what's the discount? You know, <laughs> free. <It's>, well, oh <laughs> shit. It's a it's a it's a hefty discount. And so um so I ended up picking up the suit. You know, I Polo. pick up the mohair, the James Bond suit, couple polos, you know, a few other items, and um and we get back to New England. And it's all gift wrapped and it's put in my um, uh, locker. And Tom says, you know, he says, I got this for you. They didn't charge your card. He says, thank you for coming and playing with me here in New England. So it's just like these uh, incredible gestures and the the way he makes himself available. um, It's just it's remarkable, remarkable friend. So I I think that's probably um, the the top of the top. But, you know, Mark Brunel was an incredible, incredible uh, teammate and friendly man. Um, uh, Kyle Orton, also just um, incredibly friendly and likable. So I, I think those are components that um, are that make a, a quarterback uh, great, is that being likable and uh, being accessible and friendly uh, to your teammates off the field. So Tom Brady is also known as one of the greatest trash talkers the quarterback position has. Being that you're a wide receiver, Wide receiver and cornerback trash talking, I'd imagine, is probably up there in any type of trash talking for anything because you guys are both the alphas at your position and you're on an island one-on-one. So in your career, I'm sure you've gone up against some pretty great trash talkers. So give us your best trash talking story for yourself and also the best trash talker that you had to face. Well, I I didn't talk. I wasn't a trash talker. You don't look like a trash talker. <laughs> no, he. I think he did the Barry Sanders. Here's the ball, ref, and then he went back to the huddle. You know, you know, I was, you know, I, I just, you know, like I said, I was just an effort guy. You know, I, I really uh, um, put it in, and and I just, I just refrained from the right. from the trash talk. Um, but the 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 best trash talkers and players that backed it up. Al Harris, uh, Mike McKenzie, um, Richard Sherman, mm. um, Cortland Finnegan. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I I hated Cortland Finnegan. Every time I watched him, he he I hated him. I I, I think I mean, it was Tennessee. He played for Tennessee for a little while. Yeah, Andre Johnson rearranged oh. his face. You were oh. saying the same thing last week to me. I love Andre Johnson. So when that fight happened, I'm like, oh, all right, you Team AJ tell, all day. You could tell Court and fin- Finnegan, if, if you want to feel with him, you would want to knock him out by the crazy stuff that he's probably saying to you on the field. Uh, I, I mean, I've heard some stories about him. But fin- Finnegan followed him to the Rams, too, <laughs> Jeff Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Pac-Man's up there, too. Pac-Man yeah. Jones, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think I, I probably rank – uh, Pac-Man is, you know, the, the, the dirtiest players I've played against. Wow. I mean, you know, you, it was like, cause playing against them, it's just, it's like all sportsmanship and gamesmanship's like out the window, uh, playing with them. You know, he's going to hit you in the crotch. He's going <laughs> to, you know, you know, grab your Jersey, 
pull, you know, trip, kick your, kick my, he kicked my legs, tripped me <laughs> on the ground. I mean, it was just constantly all game. It was just something. And I, and, you know, I kind of, and I prided myself on not, you know, complaining to the referees or, you know, throwing my hands up in the air, <laughs> but I just couldn't help myself <laughs> when I'm playing against Pac-Man because, you know, it was just the, his actions and, you know, he, and he wasn't getting penalties for it. Mm. So it was well within the game. It was just things that other players chose not to do. Mm. He, he would, he would go there. And so I, um, I'm not saying that he's not a good corner. He was a fantastic corner, but he's on the, he's on the dirty list. Oh, I, <laughs> he, instead of, instead, you know, Santa Claus has a good list and a bad list. He's on the dirty list. Okay? Yeah, he's on the dirty list. He's not getting, he's getting a lump of coal. That's in right. He probably got a lot of that, but uh, you know, <laughs> ask the strippers, <laughs> ask the strippers how much coal he gave them. <laughs> people, people blame Vontaze perfect all the time for the reason the Bengals lost that playoff game to the Steelers. Don't forget Pac-Man Jones also shoved the referee and gave them another 15 yards. <laughs> Jeez. Him and Vince Young. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, I'm gonna throw, fall over. As you guys know, we are talking to 11-year vet NFL wide receiver Brandon Lloyd. Uh, so, Brandon, let's get into the the divisional games, which a lot of people said probably was the one of the best weekends in football history with the games that were played, how close they were, how competitive they were. You were talking about Tom Brady. Uh, were you surprised with so many crazy things that happened in the fourth quarter against the L.A. Rams? Were you surprised that the game happened the way it did and how close it was at the end of the game? Very much so. Yeah, you know, I was I was surprised that they were down by 21 points. I was surprised that they even could come back from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was it was all uh, surprised. But at the same time, it's one of those things where even uh, last year in the playoffs against um, the, the Green Bay Packers where you're saying, all right, you know, the, there's no reason Tampa Bay should be able to march into Green Bay and, and win a game. And, and it's like, you know, you shouldn't bet against Tom Brady. Mm. <laughs> and then, you know, it comes this year against, you know, Matt, Matthew Stafford. And it's like, come on, we're not betting against Tom Brady in this right. matchup. Mm-hmm. And turns out, you know, L.A. was able to, to, to pull it off. So actually, I want to ask uh, one of the questions from one of our fans, Carl, who's a uh, he's a Big Ten football guy. You're a Big Ten football guy. Play, you played for Illinois. He's a Michigan fan. Uh, he wants to know what was the toughest college opponent environment to play in. Um, it, I, I'm, I'll pick I'll pick three of them. You know, the the Penn State was incredibly, incredibly intimidating in the late '90s. You know. Um, LeVar Arrington and um, just the sheer size of the players. I mean, they're like professional athletes, <laughs> uh, especially my freshman year when I was probably all, uh, you know, 170 pounds playing division one uh, wide receiver, just, you know, incredibly intimidating the size of the stadium, you know, playing, you know, going from high school where um, maximum our games were, you know, 10,000 fans and that was just for the Crosstown rival. That wasn't every week. So we'd have two games out of the year with 10,000, and the rest of them probably three. But to go from that environment to 100,000, you know, that's intimidating. So I, I picked Penn State, Michigan, and O-State. By far, 
were the the three most intimidating uh, uh, environments to play in because of the talent, the 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 skills that those players had, and then also because of the um, the the crowds that they were able to to um, amass. So back to kind of the divisional game for a second. Obviously, the Rams had a couple of guys that they had brought in this season to kind of make it a uh, win-now mode. Obviously, they moved on to Matt Stafford this offseason. They brought in Von Miller. But being that you have a lot of um, expertise and knowledge at the wide receiver, are you surprised? I said Odell Beckham Jr. when he got traded to Cleveland, he was going to be fine. He's going to be the all-pro receiver that he has been. And then, obviously, him and Baker didn't click. Something didn't happen. Whatever happened in Cleveland didn't work. Now in L.A., he looks rejuvenated. He's playing team ball, and he's having great numbers in L.A. Do you see anything special about what Odell's doing, or is it just finally that he's in a winning system? Well, I think he's, he's in a winning system, and, and that's, that's the key. You know, when, when he went to Cleveland, um, what I said from personal experience, he's just taking the money. There comes a point in uh, a player's career where you have to take the money. Uh, I had that experience with uh, uh, the Washington football team where you get an opportunity for a blockbuster deal. You know, they get, they're trading two picks for me. They're, you know, they're given, you know, my sports agent was saying, you are not going to get along with Joe Gibbs. Mm-hmm. He was calling. He's like, it's not going to work. And so I'm, I'm on the phone with him like, well, then what do I do? He says, you take the money. Mm-hmm. You have to go. You don't know when this is going to happen again. So Cleveland, I, I didn't see that panning out now um the the exit from cleveland was remarkable that was more of the remarkable story of him getting out of that situation to be a clean and clear free agent and then to be able to have his pick and then select la the thing that i was worried about was is there enough balls to go around is he going to keep it together uh, or is he going to implode you know, I was it, when he went to L.A., I was envisioning him having an Antonio Brown um, <laughs> kind of situation. Um, but, you know, being on a winning team, on a playoff bound team, you know, winning alleviates all the head cases. All the head cases can keep it together um, when the team's like on a clear path to the playoffs. And then not only to the playoffs, but. A, 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 on a, a, a clear, visible path to the Super Bowl. So, you know, uh, am I surprised on, you know, that he's keeping it together? Yes. Um, but am I am I surprised that um, he's able to score, you know, what is it, seven touchdowns and, you know, however many games he's been there? I, I think um, I'm not surprised about that because I, I know he has talent and he has someone to take away the attention. So, he, um, so he should have enough one-on-one matchups to where it should showcase his talent. As you guys know, we are talking to 11-year NFL wide-receiving vet, Brandon Lloyd, who has had a sensational career now, enjoying his life after football. Uh, went to college, got his NBA. I mean, this guy's had a, a sensational career, and he, and he has a sensational life, and football really got him where he is today. Um, last question for me, man. Uh, and I really, well, appreciate I have it. a question for you Go before ahead, you Ooh, get there. Hit me. Right. Hit me. So does this make Matt Stafford elite? He's thrown two of two record wide receivers, mm-hmm. Megatron and Cooper Krupp. Does this make him elite 
quarterback. I think I, I think Matthew Stafford was always elite. I, I I think everywhere he was, even with the Lions, he was an elite quarterback. He he was in a bad situation. Calvin Johnson really hid the deficiencies of the Lions, as everybody knows. The Lions never had a running game. They really never no. had a running game when he was there, and that really affected his ability to play the quarterback position. But when Matthew Stafford was the number one pick and he grew into the quarterback position, every single year you would look at this team. He had deficiencies on his offensive line. He had deficiencies with the defensive players staying healthy. And then all of a sudden, Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson, he had a nine, ten-year career. He was Megatron. He was the great one of the greatest wide receivers we have ever seen, but didn't really play out his career. He wanted to retire. I think that affected Matthew Stafford. I think Matthew Stafford never wanted to be there. The only reason why Matthew Stafford was there was the fact that Calvin Johnson was there. And then mm. after that, we all heard that he wanted out, he wanted out, and he wanted to go home. And when I believe, I believe this, I don't care if this is true or not, Clayton Kershaw reached out to him, and I believe that they're both high school buddies. They play football together. I think Clayton Kershaw say, wouldn't this be great? I have an opportunity to win a championship in L.A., and you will have an opportunity to win a championship with the Rams in L.A., the new reconciled stadium over there. Uh, I think I think Matthew Stafford just wanted to come home, play in front of his family and friends, and I, I, I think, yes, I think he's always been elite. I, I, I think he's a top seven, eight quarterback in the league. Uh, this year, I would say he's a top five. He, he, to me, he's, he's a sensational quarterback with an ability, arm strength, and all the stuff, and he stayed healthy this year, which has been a problem for him year in and year out. So my answer to you I've always thought Matthew Stafford is lead. Ask anybody here that's sitting on this panel over yeah. here. I've always loved Matthew he, Stafford. He's defended Matthew Stafford more than a lot, a lot of people. I would say, I would uh, to answer your question, I would kind of compare his career trajectory overall with Matt Ryan. He kind of had, Matt Ryan always had the great receiving cores and then the great individual receiver. Now, Calvin Johnson's obviously better all time than Julio Jones is, but it's still kind of very yeah. similar. Still, Not really. Still kind of very similar. They're very where, close. Still kind of very similar. Where he, they also had Roy Williams at certain. He also had Roy Williams at certain points. Then even after Calvin Johnson retired, they had some good receivers at that point. And Matt Ryan also had Roddy White and Harry Douglas and guys like that too. They were very good. So I kind of kind of compare that. But if. Matthew Stafford has the longevity with the Rams that you saw from him this season, whereas Matt Ryan really hasn't had that with Atlanta the last two years, then maybe he could end up surpassing them. I think both will end up I, th- I think both should be Hall of Famers. They're definitely Hall of Famers. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're kind of similar on that cusp. And the other thing too is they're both kind of they haven't really reached like the the thing that has held them back is like certain seasons they were down like they're kind of streaky year to year type thing and I think that's what held them back from being that next level. But yes, they're mm. both Hall of Famers. I would consider them both borderline elite as well. Yeah, uh, I would agree with both these fine gentlemen. I think Matt Stafford's always been elite. The thing that made Matt Stafford special to me was when he dislocated his shoulder, told his coach, no, you need me to throw the ball, I'll go out there and throw the ball, and then Ooh. threw a game-winning touchdown. Like that, That's special. That's not in mm. a lot of guys' DNA. I'm sure you just mentioned receivers faking injuries to get off the field for free agency, and this guy was out there uh, trying to earn the respect of his teammates. So that, to me, right after that story, I was like, all right, this guy's going to be special. Um, you know, and it's hard to do that in Detroit. And Detroit all, Carl, I really said Roy Williams, by the way, and, not Mike Williams. And, and also, just so everybody knows, before Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen came into the league, ask anybody who had the best arm in football. I think a lot of people will tell you Matthew Stafford had the best arm in football. So, I, I mean, it's not something that was been hidden by anybody that Matthew Stafford was an elite quarterback. I just think he didn't get the respect because he played for Detroit, and Detroit is not a good place to play, and it's been a hidden 
tundra when it comes to players that go there. So, um, yes, I, I absolutely, Brandon. I think he is an elite quarterback. He's a, he will be a Hall of Famer when all said and done. Matthew Stafford and I. Matthew Stafford has a chance to win a Super Bowl this year, and I if he knocks off San Francisco, I really believe. I don't care what anybody says. We just had, what's his name again? Associated Press, MVP voter, ESPN, NFL analyst, Aaron Schatz. Yeah, who, that was a fantastic interview. Nice yeah, work. And he, he was great, too. And he, he went back and forth with me. I, I, he, thinks, he, thinks there's, he thinks the 49ers are going. I don't know where he sees it. I know the 49ers won both games this year. But it's very hard for one team to beat a team three times in one year, especially as good as the Rams. Yeah, so, and, I, and I get it. I get it. I get it. But – I, I, I'm Brandon. picking the Rams because Odell's up and running in the system. Mm. So I, I think it's a different. It's a different team. Yes. Not I think it is a different team, mm-hmm. and um, and and getting closer, they can taste it. I, I, in my mind, I imagine Vaughn being a, a bigger influence I in that uh, locker room because mm-hmm. he is just so positive and so it's just infectious. Um, uh, his his charisma, and then. His talent on the field, it's just, it's, it's infectious. So I, I, I think there's other components to this next game other than the analytics, other than, um, right. um, you know, the, the history, which is all important, very important. Of course. But uh, I think this, this weekend's more emotional picks for me. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, Go with your heart. Being, Go being with your heart. Kansas You're not City. alone. Go with your heart. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Go, go I'm with not, your heart. I'm, I'm not going with my heart and my checkbook. I'm just going with my heart. <laughs> go with the team you play with longer. <laughs> Sports betting is now illegal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, being up from Kansas City, I'm picking the Chiefs. Um, but uh, but I, I like I like the Rams just because I like the story. Mm. Damn. I want to I, I want to ask you something as well because this is you played for both teams and the 49ers and the Rams. This is something that bothered me in particular and you played with, with them when they were in St. Louis and mm. after the actually even before the game before they because they knew the 49ers won already so if the Rams won obviously they were going to host it the thing they were doing with the tickets they were they were limiting it only to southern california that could buy them that something mm. that was something that really bothered me and as, as someone that you got to experience the 49ers fan culture at Candlestick Park and also got to experience granted only for a little bit with the Rams when they were in St. Louis is this something that like is something that is just like that and something that should happen and is also is something like LA moving to LA the way they did shouldn't have happened with the way the city of St. Louis was happening what was your experiences like with that bro there's so much to unpack there I know I know I know and the unceremonious exit out of St. Louis it's like they rolled it up like a circus carnival (laughs) and just left in the middle of the night um but um, obviously, St. Louis is just not an environment to support uh, a, a, a good National Football League team. But I think the bigger story here is Stan Kroenke. I think he's just a spectacular businessman. Mm-hmm. And just the, the exit out of there, the moving pieces to get to L.A., crowded market, couple teams, all of a, then to get a stadium, a place to house the team. But I think... He's more of a remarkable story because <clears throat> when you look at uh, St. Louis, or if you look, even if you look at the Denver uh, Nuggets uh, stadium, right. the team is just another act. <laughs> it's not the main event. Between the concerts, they'll they'll run the Nuggets, they'll run the Avalanche, 
they'll pack that ice up, throw the wood down, and play a game in the same day. <laughs> you know, they are not. It is he is about generating money and revenue, and he's got the schemes to do it. And that's how I view what is going on in LA with that stadium, with those tickets, and what's going on with um, uh, uh, the, the Super Bowl. It's a money scheme. He's good at it. He's going to work the system, and, and he's going to make that money. Brandon, I, I have kind of two questions here. One's going to be kind of – I don't know if you'll answer one. but I, So, obviously, you said you went back to school uh, for your N- NBA, you said, correct? And now you're going back as well? So I went back for my undergraduate, and yeah. now I'm uh, on the last year of my uh, master's in business. Yep. So – why don't you tell us a little bit about what your plans are after football? A lot of NFL players, they have a very difficult time sometimes either realizing it's over or when it is over. Like you said, you, you find out who you really are. So a lot of guys take a year or two or three. Some guys never figure it out. And it's kind of a sad story when that does happen. So how did you figure out going back to school something you wanted to do? Well, there was a promise I made to my parents <laughs> um, uh, when I picked the University of Illinois over all the other schools that I was going to follow through. And, and, and so going back to get my undergraduate, that was an easy one. It's because I said I was going to do it. So that's why I needed to do that. Um, as, as far as the, the NBA, for me, it's, it's, you know, the best part about being a professional athlete is the access. You know, the sheiks want to hang out, the elected officials want to hang out, the CEOs, the billionaires, the actresses, people want to be around excellence and greatness. So the access is the amazing part. And so what I was finding was when I was, when I was being granted this access, I didn't have much to provide. I was, I was just there. (laughs) And so uh, I started saying to myself, it's like, well, I need to increase my business acumen so I can understand how to speak the language so that I can feel comfortable investing in or starting something. Um, and so that's what the MBA is about. And so it's more uh, uh, understanding business, understanding uh, the way it works on a global level, and then being able to apply my talent and experience in the business setting to where I, where I can be successful. Well, Brandon, before we let you go, because uh, this is the last question for us. Um, I, I, what? Well, what? Well, no. There, there, I mean, there's an emotional question to ask here, obviously. What's the emotional question? Yeah, his, I can stay on. His, his last year in Denver, I believe, was Demarius Thomas's rookie year in Denver. And obviously in sports, there are just gut-wrenching, like Kobe was a few years ago in the NBA. Do you have a story of Demarius Thomas? Everyone says he was a lovable guy. Do you have a story... You'd like to share about Demarius? Look, you know, you know, I, I lost a handful of teammates in the National Football League. Uh, Thomas Heron um, in San Francisco, he died in the locker room um, after a two-minute drive and a preseason game in San Francisco. Sean Taylor was murdered uh, in my time uh, – that's right. With the uh, Washington football team. Kenny McKinley committed suicide uh, when I was with the Denver Broncos. Um, and then, obviously, you know, just a, a equally traumatic event was just the, the murders that Aaron Hernandez committed 
while as an active player. And, and so it's, um, you know, and then Damaris, obviously we weren't, we weren't, it didn't happen as an, as an active player, but it's all tragic. It's all, um, uh, sad. Uh, when, you know, just getting back to your, uh, earlier question, Tyler, about, you know, finding purpose. And then, you know, at the end of our careers, like, you know, how do we take care of ourselves mentally? Uh, uh, who's looking out for one another, uh, when this, when we exit the, the locker room and we can maintain that brotherhood where we can speak honestly about our situations and what we're planning and, and we can celebrate one another and support one another, uh, post NFL when the, all the lights are gone and all the attentions faded away. So, you know, I, I just think that, you know, every time, you know, uh, you know, and also David Patton just passed away, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, in the motorcycle accident, you know, a couple months ago, and we played together on the Washington football team. So it's just, you know, it's, it's more of a story. It's like, as we get older, you know, you know, our, our friends and our loved ones, you know, are, are leaving this earth. And then it, we start to question, you know, what is our purpose and what are we doing with ourselves? And is it, is it even worth it? You know? And so I think that, you know, I, I had a really good foundation, uh, with my mother and my father on, uh, plans on how to be humble, how to, move forward in this world, uh, ethically, um, uh, with virtue. Mm -hmm. And so I'm following that path. I'm lending myself to, uh, philanthropic endeavors in order to inspire and motivate young people that someone with influence or celebrity looks at them and cares for them and that they have a place in this world too. I also, um, look at my influence and my sphere of my, my friends and my family and how I can inspire them by following that, you know, virtuous path and ethical path, right? Like, like that's, that's the plan. And, and, and so whoever can latch onto that, let's do it. Let's go for the ride. Thanks for inspiring me. And I'll continue to inspire others, but you know, that's, that's my plan. And that's what I'm sticking to, you know, post NFL. That, that's a good final answer to our interview. I, I really, Really appreciate everything and all the time that you gave us, 47 minutes. Uh, we really appreciate everything that you've done, and, and we would love to get you on again. I think a lot of people will be inspired by this interview because I think a lot of things about you, Brandon, is you're pretty straightforward, you're honest, and you're very very well respectable uh, on, on your just in a conversation on, on really expressing what you did in your career and, and who you are as a person. So we really appreciate all that. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, at Mr. B. Lloyd. You can catch me online at MrBLloyd.com. And you can find me on LinkedIn, and you can uh, reach out to me about uh, uh, high school apprenticeships. Um, but uh, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate being on the show. Well, I I we would love to get you on. Again, my producer over here will definitely reach out to you. you can, we'll follow you on your social media, uh, Twitter. You follow us and, and follow me. I, I'd love to continue our conversation. You're a great person, Brandon. We really appreciate your time. And by the way, uh, a lot of our, our guests over here say that you were one of Tom Brady's favorites. So uh, that's, you know, that's a pretty 
That's pre- with, with Tom Brady being in the league so long and, and being compared as one of the greatest players to ever play the game, that's, a, that's something very special to know that a player of that magnitude really respects you like that. So You're thank you, Brandon. Uh, one of the best interviews we've ever had, and we've been around for a long time, so thank you. That's all thank good you. and dandy. I just followed you on Twitter. Feel free to follow me back. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. <laughs> oh, God. That's scary, just that laugh. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> The laugh scared him away. Yeah, he's gone. He bounced real fast. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> well, boys, oh, I'm man. gone. Oh, man, that's pretty funny, actually. Who, had, who moved the alcohol, by the way? Moved. You had alcohol? I don't know what you're I left alcohol about. under the table. I don't remember alcohol under the table. I didn't look under the table, so. That's great. Uh, how wonderful. Anyways, uh, we, have a lot, we have a lot of other things to talk about, but I'd like to thank um, uh, Aaron Schatz for giving us the time. He, he was great today. And Brandon Lloyd, who is very, very uh, kind and collective and, and just special guy. And you can see this special. And if you guys missed this interview, I, I mean, you could check it out. It, it was a great interview. Uh, he really gave us some good insight of his career and what he's been doing and just who he is as a person. Very special. Um, uh, let, let's get into – before we make our picks, I, picks, I want I, I want Jeff to, to call in because I want to hear his picks. Uh, before we do that, um, uh, we, we talked about the Baseball Hall of Fame. I want to get into the – the head coaching hires for the NFL. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a few, few coaches, uh, vacancies that were filled today. Uh, Nathaniel, uh, what was Hackett. It? Hackett, who gets the Broncos job. And Niffin. We'll can hack it. And N- Niffin was one of the Please. first. Niffin was one of the first people that actually was, you know, he, he was one that, that spread that rumor that he thought Nathaniel Hackett was going to get the job. Uh, with the Broncos, he was right. Uh, it came in this morning, early this morning. That doesn't mean he, it was the right call. But well, uh, here's the reason why they did that. Uh, it's called well, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. It's That's, called Aaron Rodgers. Might not want to go there. Uh, I I beg to differ. I think the only team that I think he he will go uh, and has the money and the avenue to get him is the Broncos. Uh, I, I don't see any other team that do it. San Francisco. It, I, I don't think they don't want to. I, I, San Francisco I, will get him later, not this year. Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to San Francisco anyway. I think he, I think he wants. First of all, his house he bought it in California. It's not far from Denver. I, I think they said it was like right. uh, within like three hundred or two hundred miles, which is not. Plus, they'll bad. play the Chargers. They'll play the Raiders. And yeah, Vegas, which, is, I, which is pretty close. Too, I, so. I, I think that he wants to move closer. You know, closer to his home, his wife, his soon to be wife. So I, I think that's where he wants to go, and I, I think it's a good move for if this is if Nathaniel Hackett is the guy. Uh, I, I think the whole reason why the Broncos brought him in now ownership is definitely going to have to be decided in the off season because I do believe, which I'm very surprised that they brought in a coach as quick as I was they about did. To say you don't have an owner, but yeah, the coach but, took the job. Yes, because I, I think I think in the big picture, I think uh, I think they already know who's going to take over and who's going to buy the team. I really do, and and there will be a new owner. Jeff was saying it. Uh, you know, Jeff has been talking about it uh, to be a uh, you know a long process. But I, I think I think we know it. Jeff Bezos is going to be a guy that's going to be very interested in the team. Uh, there's quite other uh, other billionaires that'll be interested in possibly bringing them. And remember, buying a NFL or a professional sports team now, if you buy them for a 
you know, two billion dollars in three years, they're going to be worth three billion dollars more. Right. So it, it, it's a great investment. Uh, is there any other team in the NFL? Of course, he's going to the Jets. He's not going to the Jets. He's not going to the Jets. No, he's not. Why would the Jets bring in Aaron Rodgers when they have they drafted a young quarterback last year? They're not doing that. I, I never, ever thought that he would go to the Jets. Uh, Carl also says, uh, thoughts of Bears on Eberflus. I personally love it. I thought he should have been, he's been overdue for a head coaching hire for quite a while. I think he's been one of the best defensive coordinators. He has been, yeah. And I also think, too, that he him coming from the But Colts, his defense choked last uh, this, uh, this, yeah, the, the, the last yeah, game exactly. of the season, okay. But he, the they, the season. they're also, outside of Jonathan Taylor, were the other big reason why they came back the way they did and won a lot of those games on that big winning streak they had, too. And I think he's done very well with a lot of talent turnover. I know they have some great players on that team, but he also made a but lot of those would, young players. Why would Chicago bring in another defensive coordinator? But here's the thing, though. I also think, though, too, that... Does the, he bring in a good offensive That's coordinator? what I'm thinking. They're coming from a staff of the Colts that comes from the staff of the Eagles. Maybe they bring in a Doug Peterson as an offensive coordinator or something like that if Maybe. he doesn't get a head coaching job. Doug and Peterson should have a head coaching job. It's kind of a joke. If he, yeah, if he doesn't get one. But the vacancies. He's not. He's not. Right, that's what I'm thinking yeah. because the vacancies that were looking at him, one, were the Bears, and two, was Jacksonville who bring in Byron Leftwich. So I don't we think he's going to get that, one now. Why is Vic Fangio getting an interview? That was yesterday. Week. Vic Fangio was, was yesterday. The, they were doing. What's that. going on with the Miami job? Is is because that that seems like the job that's going to stick out like a sore thumb? Is Jim Harbaugh? Is it? Is, is, who's going to be the guy that's one rumor said Dable yesterday was a big big talk of Miami, but now he's the favorite for the Giants, so I'm not sure on that. But I the think, Giants I also to, said Dan Quinn was the favorite too, but I now think, he's back in Dallas. I think by tomorrow you're going to hear that Dable is the new head coach for the New York Giants. I, I'm I'm not going to be. I think they're negotiating a deal right now as we as we speak. Now Harbaugh seems like is being linked more to the Raiders, which is interesting too, because the Raiders haven't committed to their interim guy yet either. I, so I'm I'm thinking maybe Dable Dolphins. Maybe Harbaugh Raiders is what the, the latest rumors have been swirling with. And then there's the Vikings, too, which are unknown, unknown as well, which are probably a better vacancy than both of those. It's it's very interesting because I with, with all these vacancies and trying to figure out who fits what and what fits who, uh, I think the Miami Dolphins job is definitely going to stick out like a sore thumb. Maybe because there is no quarterback there, but also – uh, being that the owner is looking for a superstar coach. He's always looking for that next big name that's going to fill in the spot and is going to be the the trophy for the, the 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 growth of this Miami Dolphin team. And I thought it was a, a horrendous move by Bri- uh, for firing Brian Flores. Uh-huh. Brian Flores has been one of the best. Uh, what jobs are left? Uh, Miami so it's, and it's Texans, the, the Raiders, the Raiders, the Raiders, the Vikings. The Vikings just—I think Vikings. Did they just get one? I think they. I, thought, just, I, I heard they were in rumors for the Rams OC that I mentioned. I thought would go to the Broncos. Um, O'Connell. I think the, I think they're pretty sure that one of them. I, I, th- I there's no guarantee yet that that somebody is signed with the Vikings, but I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure that I heard that they're they're pretty sure who's going to be the one. That's yeah, the, the, the latest rumor I heard they're keying in on Kevin O'Connell from the Rams. Let me see. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. Um, well, not now, but th- that's what the, that's what their target is. Uh, while you're looking that up, uh, J- uh, says Sean Payton to the Miami Dolphins. Um, Sean Payton. The oh, Dolphins Jeff also says. Jeff also, I don't think Sean Payton's going anywhere this year. Uh, Jeff also says McD- Josh McDaniels to the Raiders is gaining a lot of steam as well. Mm. Um, all hail the Brady Goat, Snug says. And Jeff, in comments about Stan Kroenke, says, "Is Kroenke really a good businessman? He had to pay the city of St. Louis eight hundred million dollars in a penalty." Mm. 
So yeah, nothing, nothing affinitive. The Rams to LA and make a billion dollars is a small price to pay. No, nothing affinitive right now for the Vikings job. Uh, but I, I do believe uh, they have two guys uh, leads to get the job. So the Vikings haven't, you know, haven't gotten a guy yet, yet. But I, I think but there's that, a lot of names left. Yeah, there are. No, there's a lot of coaches. Peterson, uh, Flores. A lot of coaches that fallen out for a lot of Arbol. positions. How about Bienemy, who's, who's available? I keep telling you, there's something wrong with Eric Bienemy. Like, everyone keeps acting like, you know, he's a genius, he's this, he's that. That's fine. He's had multiple head coaching jobs. Well, he's also still I mean, playing. He's still he's still coaching, so he can't so hire. So a lot of these yeah. guys are getting right. hired. And so, right, right. So are really, the Rams that I just mentioned. Matter, though, maybe like, maybe maybe he's waiting on the Vikings. Maybe that's the one, the one he or wants. Or maybe he's just not good at the interview. Like you guys act like interviews are not a huge part of the process. No, he was saying he, that too. He's got to. There's something to miss here with this guy. Either he doesn't have a good game plan. Maybe they feel like Mahomes is the reason his scheme works. I don't know, but there's something to miss. There's a reason no one's hiring. Him. I know two NFL players that we've had on our show, Tony Richardson and Eric Coleman, that know Eric Bieniemy very, very well, and said that this guy is going to be a star coach in the NFL. That's, that's so the whole league's whiffing on this guy. I, I, I'm just telling you what these and the, Tony Richardson is a Hall of Famer. No, right? I, and if he's saying yes, if he's both, saying that, I mean, I, there's there's got to be some you, kind of. I've talked to, to Eric Coleman too. I think Eric Coleman knows everything he's talking about. I so don't know about why that. I'm a little bit of a myth. <laughs> I don't know about that. Betting expert Eric Coleman. I'm a, I'm a wise. <laughs> Eric Coleman's a genius. I'm 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 very close with Eric Coleman. I still talk to him very much, and uh, I think he's out of his mind on a lot of the things that he says. So uh, knowing what he knows, I I think Eric Coleman thinks he knows what he knows. I mean, anybody that thinks that James Harden is a better player than Alex Ron- Allen Iverson is on his uh, on his drug bed or whatever the heck he's doing. But I, I, I love Eric. Eric is a good friend. And, and I think Eric Coleman has some thoughts of what the NFL and what the NFL should be. But I disagree. Um, I disagree with a lot of things that he says. But Biennemi, they both said, is going to be a great coach in this league. The fact that he doesn't have a, jo- a job is a catastrophe. But I think that has a lot to do with also – the Kansas City Chiefs are always in the Super Bowl or in the AFC title game, and when these teams are looking to pick up, uh, you know, pick up a coach, by the time he becomes available, they already have the decision on who but the coach is. But this was his best job. What do you mean? Urban Enemy's best coaching job this was this year. They were yeah, dead in I the water. So all you guys kept right. telling me, and then all of a sudden, this offense was like, "Oh, all right, we're well, up now, good to go." By the way, Jeff has arrived. <laughs> Jeff, what's going on, man? Dude, I hate. That this whole narrative that, oh, he must be terrible at interviewing. Who cares what anybody's, and literally anybody's interview is like? Because I can give you examples of guys that go, oh, he interviewed terrific. Raheem Morris, terrible. Joe Judge, terrible. But they interviewed great. How about waiting and, and just seeing this guy's body of work and letting that speak for itself rather than saying, oh, he, he, he's amazing at his job, but I just didn't like the interview. What a horrible thing. No, it's not. When a GM sits you down and says, how are you going to make my roster better? You have to know that answer. You can't say, well, my body of work says this. No. How are you going to make Daniel Jones a star? How are you going to make Zach Wilson a star? How are you going to make, uh, who else has a job? How are you going to replace Kirk Cousins? What are you going to do with Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook? How are you going to make this team better? You can't just go, oh, in Kansas City I did it, so I'm going to do it here. You need an answer. You can't just go no, in there and be like, answer, my body of work. For, for, you need an answer, all, Jeff. You can't just no, interview no, no, him and go, well, I, I was the OC of the Chiefs. We won the Super Bowl. We've no, that, been that the three is, and four no, that years. Is the huh? answer. 
No, that is the answer. The job that he's doing is the answer. That is the answer to every question. How are you going to do it? Well, I came up with all kinds of trick plays for Tyree Kill and whatever, and, it, and it's worked. Just give me a, you know, just give me a guy like that. You know, just give like, you a guy if, like Tyree Kill. Yeah, there's plenty of them out there, and I'll give you another one who's also on that team that's just like a Miko Hardman does all the same things, mm-hmm. right? There's a million guys out there like him. Are they as good? No, maybe not. But his Eric Bieniemy's genius is is putting those guys in the best positions to succeed. Yeah, who says? Right? Remember, Tyree Kill was drafted kind of as a special teams <laughs> punt return guy. Who says if Eric Bieniemy's not on that coaching staff, Tyree Kill is anywhere close to the same player? He is That's now. fine. You're right, also forgetting Andy Reid's on that same coaching. Staff. Sure, but I'm saying right, but, like okay. if Tyree Kill's on a lot of Andy other teams, is he still the same player? Eric Bieniemy on Eric Bieniemy's next trip. Eric Benenemy <laughs> needs to sell Eric Benenemy. Andy Reid can't do it. The Chiefs can't do it. The body of work can't do it. You have to do it. And that, that's right, what but, he's not doing. But there's too much. But there's too much emphasis on the interview because we've seen guys who interview well actually suck donkey dicks at coaching. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Raheem Morris, Joe Judge. You could go on and on because everyone was raving. Oh, this special teams. Who cares if you ran special teams? Oh, but he had a great interview. Yeah, well, that interview amounted to fuck all as a head coach, didn't it? Mm. Well, Harbaugh was a special teams guy, and now look at Harbaugh. Well, right. that's he's failed elite. everywhere he's gone, and he's failed everywhere he's gone. And John Harbaugh is a different person because his father was a head coach. His brother played in the that's NFL. Fine. He's been under his but father. His body he's of work, he sold himself on the interview. His well, body sold, of work wouldn't have gotten him the job. No, he sold himself because of who his father is and who his brother was in the NFL. Well, you and can what say he was that, but his body, his body of work is pretty freaking good. I, I'm telling you, it was all because of his father. A lot of these coaches, even McVay. You think McVay got the job because he was a good, head, good offensive coordinator? He got the job because, let's be honest, who his father is, who his grandfather is. He's a third-generation head coach in the NFL. He was the youngest up-and-coming coach that everybody was going to fill in. Nobody thought that McVay was going to be as good as he was. He got the job because of who his father was and who his grandfather was. So I, I beg to differ. Just like Aaron Boone, and you say you take shots at Aaron Boone. Why did Aaron Boone skip from being a manager in the in the AAA and all that other stuff? Because of who his father is. Because of who his background is. His father was a GM. His father ran organizations. And that's why they believe that he can run a team and be a good fit for the New York Yankees. It's just the way it, it, it's true because listen you can say whatever you want about him he's won so you you have to look at you have to look at something it, it doesn't also always matter on who you, you are you and what you've done in the past let, let, I'm not even comparing again you're going to go off topic on I'm what not. I said it's, I'm bringing I'm bringing, apples and oranges no no it's not I'm talking about listen I said McVeigh I'm talking about guys that are third generation coaches and that's what they look at you look at what you've done and what you've been around in your past Eric Bieniemy's been on to Andy Reid. Andy Reid is one of the best draft pickers in NFL history. Go right. look at his drafts. He drafted right. Travis Kelsey. He drafted yep. his brother, who's one yep. of the best centers in the league. He's drafted Tyreek Hill. He drafted uh, Kareem Hunt. He's right. drafted all these great players, offensive players. Right. But in defensive, in his defensive role of what he's drafted over the years, he hasn't drafted very good because he's not a defensive mind. Right. Again, I, before you talk, because I let you I'm talk a lot. With you. I'm not saying uh, a word. I, Eric Bieniemy should not be looked at for what uh, what he does in the interviews. Eric Bieniemy should be looked at of what his past has been and what he has done slowly but surely as he developed players on his team with the with the Kansas City Chiefs and what he has been doing as a 
an assistant head coach to Andy Reid. And I, and I think it's a catastrophe what, what's going on there, with Eric and there's another And there's another element to this, which is, you know, obviously controversial, and it's going to be really tough to judge because who's to say if it's happening or where it's happening and how, right? But I find it a little suspicious that a black guy in Eric Bieniemy can't get a sniff at a job, right? Where Josh McDaniels got hired in Denver, failed miserably, went back to New England, got another job with the Colts, then told them no, and now he's getting another job. How many opportunities is this guy going to get when he hasn't really done anything to deserve those opportunities? And, and Eric Bieniemy isn't getting them at all. Mm-hmm. Does race play a factor in this? It, 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 could. Could, it, it could, could very much, too. And I'm hoping maybe they, that trajectory could change because the Vikings just hired a, a minority general manager, too. I forget his name, uh, from the Browns. And yeah. maybe that's maybe that's something that could be encouraging. Maybe they, he'll look into that yeah. more. Now, that could also be for Flores, too. We'll see. But... How many minority coaches are in the NFL right now? Right Let's now, it's only I'll one. Oh, no, it's two. I'll give you this one even further. Today is a historical day in the NFL. Any idea why? No, why? History was made. It's the first time that you have a minority owner with a minority GM and a minority head coach. The very first time. And where do we have that? Jacksonville. Jacksonville. That's right. That's right. They, they, Shad Khan is uh, Pakistani? Yes. I yes. Think. Well, I don't want to get the country wrong and offend everybody, right? But mm. Middle, Middle Eastern, right. Afghanistan, Pakistanis. Right. Yeah. And then they just hired Adrian Wilson, and then obviously Brian Leftwich. Mm-hmm. First time in NFL history. Yeah, imagine I th- that. But I, but to your point, Jeff, I think the only other three in the NFL right now are Mike Tomlin, Ron Rivera, and Robert Sala right mm-hmm. now that are minority of some sort. Now, hopefully, that could change with the Vikings. Maybe the hiring the enemy or hiring Brian Flores because those two deserve Brian Flores should have never ah, been fired to begin with. But. I don't look at Robert Sala and Ron Rivera uh, a minority. I, I, I they they, they come, are. I, I I disagree. I don't I don't think they're I, I, I know I, I know he's Puerto Rican or I think Ron Rivera is half Puerto Rican. He's not full Puerto Rican because he has but Italian blood. In him. Yeah, but he has Italian blood in him too. So Right, but I'm and I hate asking the question because it's very loaded and, and then all of a sudden the politics come into it and the whole thing. But I think it's worth examining whether race has held Eric the enemy back because honestly, if are, how how are we judging Josh McDaniels as a head coach? He failed in right. Denver, uh-huh. and then he told the Indianapolis to go fly a kite. Right. How many people would still want to keep going back to this guy? Mm-hmm. What's he actually done? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nathan also mentioned Jim Caldwell too. Yeah, Jim Caldwell I, uh, is Great another coach. guy. I, I think that it, yeah, there has been very underrated in his coaching tenure and as well. And has won Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. too, twice. I yeah, think. Caldwell's really his only problem was he had some late season collapses with certain teams, but he still was a good coach. And yeah, he he definitely does. does another chance as well. You just wonder if there's enough vacancies to be open at this point with only a couple teams left. No, there's an offensive coordinator job position. I, I think you should get one too. Absolutely. Listen, I've been pounding the table a long... I've been pounding the long time... Uh, I've been pounding the table a long, long time for Lewis Riddick too. Why does yep. Lewis Riddick not get any opportunities? And you see a ton of retreads and general managers all over the place. It's crazy. Yeah, and Lewis Riddick, who I thought was a perfect fit for the New York Giants. I really do. <laughs> Uh, not and, that and look, Shane won't be, not that Shane yeah. won't be good or doesn't deserve the job, but th- there are tons of guys that. How is Trent Balky <laughs> still had a job? He's failed everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that was terrible. And it has, obviously he has a he has a good following, and and I, I guess these. GMs or owners really like them. So uh, the Jaguars fans' clown costumes worked though. Now they got everyone out, and now Adrian Wilson and Byron Leftwich are there. 
Maybe, 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 just maybe, Arab Anemi doesn't want to be a head coach. I don't believe that. Maybe, I don't believe that. Maybe he just wants to stay in Kansas City till this thing dries that's, up. That's my only maybe, thing. Maybe, maybe there's something. Was, Andy Reid is it, not leaving. I don't think he I, is I, either, but maybe that. there's something within the organization. Maybe that's the only does, thing I, I can I think of. I want to leave Kansas City right now. you telling me leaving would, Pat I, Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill is an easy thing to do? I don't think it would I, be. Lewis Winnick, you're going to make more money as a head coach. That's great. Guess what? You question. have to now find your new quarterback. You got to go find your new wide receiver. You got to go you find your new offensive coordinator. You got to find a defensive guy. Well, that's the whole point of why you work to be a head coach. But why are you sitting behind Andy Reid? Maybe he doesn't want to. Jeff. Go ahead, Jeff. I, I want to answer Tyler's question with another question, okay? Because you, you asked, maybe he doesn't want to be a head coach. Okay, I, I accept your premise. And if that's the premise you want to throw out there, why interview the last three years? Mm-hmm. Every year he's interviewed. So maybe that's if, why the interviews if, don't go well. Maybe it's like you know what? Thanks, right, but, but no but thanks. If, I kind of no, like no, what no, I have on. a little no, bit no, better no, than what I have here. No, but there's no, but no but better situation to, than what he's got in Kansas but, City. But if he wants to stay in Kansas City, if that's if that's the premise you're going with, then why even get on a plane and go interview? Did he interview this right. year? It has to Does be. Does anyone th- know of an interview he had? This yes, year? he has interviewed. But here's the problem: he can't interview anymore. He interviewed before the playoffs. As soon as the playoffs starts, <clears throat> he cannot interview until he he's interview out. With? He can interview. He can interview. He can. Interview I, 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 he interviewed with. Hold I, on, no, no, hold the, on. The Raiders, the Jaguars. The bye week. Yes, he can interview on the bye week if they make it to the oh. Super Bowl. He can interview on the bye week. All right. Yeah. So right. okay. So so he can interview. And don't be surprised, on the bye week, you hear that he's going to be hired right. at one of those positions. So, it, it, to me, I think a lot of teams are holding up. I, I, I really believe the Vegas the Vegas Raiders are interested in Eric Bieniemy, uh, as well as they should. They have Derek Carr over there. They, they need maybe a wide receiver or two to be a contender. I mean, they're not far off. They've had mm-hmm. a very good season. They have a great quarterback. They're a couple of players away from being a great team. Offensive line, this, so, yeah. this, It kind of feels like this offseason is kind of a pendulum, right? Like, until somebody breaks the seal and then every team will follow. But it seems like a lot of teams are waiting around right now to go, oh, well, where's he going? Oh, what's going on? Where's Rodgers going? Oh, is Brady retiring? Oh, where's this guy yes. going to go? Hey, do you want Russell Wilson? Hey, do you, you remember Deshaun Watson? Do you want him? Like, there's a lot of moving pieces that are not moving. Obviously, you can't do it till the Super Bowl ends. I get all that. But it just seems like it's a frozen blunk of ice right now, and they're waiting for the first ice to crack. And I don't really know if there's going to be a job for Eric Benetemi if he waits too long. But he has to wait. But if he, if he, it's not his choice. He has to. Mm-hmm. Success. He can't interview this week. He can't just go and no, interview I get it, on a but Monday. But can't right? you schedule the interview during the bye week? No, right now. Yes, he probably no. did. Okay, I probably did. He probably scheduled, but he can't go to him until he's. And done. to be honest with you, if he was going to go to a job, it would be the Jacksonville job. To Which me, that's where taken. he it's would go. Taken. All right, you've got your young quarterback. You've got a couple. What good about Derek Carr? What about Derek Carr in Vegas? What about the, the Vikings? Would be another good spot. The Vikings, the Vikings, the Vikings have a quarterback. Dalvin Cook is injury prone, and yeah, you got Justin Jefferson. That's great and all. What that about, offensive line is atrocious. What about Vegas? I, I think Vegas is He's a perfect fit. The thing for Vegas not, is, I think there's smoke to this Josh McDaniels thing. It's McDaniels or Harbaugh. There is because they're also entering, uh, interviewing Dave Ziegler too. So. Uh, Suck says, I don't know. I would want to say in case you know who that is. The, sta- the stakes are amazing. The I barbecue is amazing. What more do you want? Yes, Andy Reid knows a thing or two about that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, why don't we do our picks? Because there's only two picks that we're going to have. 
And uh, we'll go from there because I want to get into this whole Chicago Bulls-Lakers thing because it's a very interesting thing. And, and one of my friends said that this would be a great debate and argument uh, to a question. So uh, are you ready, Jeff? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Speedy. Speedy, you go first. Pick the game. I'll let you go first. All right. I'm going to start. We'll start with the AFC, AFC championship game. The Bengals at the Chiefs. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. I just... I think it'll be close throughout the game, and I think the Chiefs will pull away in the fourth quarter. The Bengals, I think Magic will run out at that point. They'll just have a bad quarter. That offensive line, the performance the way they had against the Titans, concerns me. The Titans have a better front seven probably overall than the Chiefs, but the blitz package from, from Spagnuolo, they could be creative. And Melvin Ingram, since he's come to the Chiefs, has really made an impact and a difference maker. And that secondary is still a problem, I think, for having to deal with those receivers who played very well. So I'm going to take the Chiefs. It'll be close throughout, and then the score will look like it'll be a blowout. 34-20, to 20, KC. Mr. Uh, Duff, Tyler Moth, what's going on? That doesn't even make any sense. All right. All right. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, these games are very tough. My heart says Cincinnati will win this game, but I can't see Kansas City losing. They're just way, way too advanced right now for this team. And the Bengals, this is going to be a lesson stone for Joe Burrow on how to improve next year. Uh, I'm going to take Kansas City. I agree with you. I think this game is going to be close throughout. I'll even say that Bucker wins on a game winner. Jeff, who do you got? Yeah, I don't think that this game is going to be close at all. They played in week 14, 15. They played late in the season. And if you go back to that game, it was 28 to 10 at halftime. And the Chiefs just stopped playing. And all they mustered up was a field goal after that and ended up losing 34-31. I don't think the Chiefs are going to make the same mistake this time and quit and say, oh, the game's out of reach. We're definitely going to win and whatever. I think they're going for the jugular. And I think they win in a landslide. All right, Nithin from the NR uh, Hour. Uh, who do you got? AFC title game. Oh man, what is a Chief? Uh, I got the, I got the Chiefs. Now, you know what? Hold on. You know this is gonna be a tough game. So for me, I, th- man, uh, <laughs> Jesus, Nithin's all flustered here. Oh, it's either uh, the Bengals or the Chiefs. You got one uh, or the other. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going with the Chiefs, man. I'm going with the track record. I'm going with the Chiefs. Yeah, I think this is going to be a fun game, and I think it's going to be a lot closer. I know Jeff says it's not going to even be close, but the only problem that worries me in this game is Joe Burrow last week got hit nine times. Kansas City has a better pass rush. That's going to cause a lot of problems. So Joe Burrow's a rookie. He's never been in this situation, and we've seen Patrick Mahomes be in this situation quite a few times in the last couple of years. I, th- I-, I want to hope that the Bengals win. I think they're one or two years short from that. Uh, give me um, the Kansas City Chiefs. It will be close. I got to see the spread. I'll let you guys know on the weekend crunch what I think on the you know the money line. But I've got the Kansas City Chiefs. It's seven. Yeah, I got the I got the Chiefs with seven. NFC Championship is the San Francisco 49ers at the LA Rams. I think you're going to see kind of a tale of two halves game, and I think you're going to get a very similar feel with the. Viking Saints, the Minneapolis miracle game. I think the Rams will start off fast. The 49ers had the emotional win, and they have a little bit of a slow start against the Rams. I think then the 49ers will turn it around in the second half. They'll start to be more creative. You'll see them run the ball. I think they'll overall outplay them in this game, and I think the Rams will have some kind of special late-game thing. Their L.A. Super Bowl storyline, I think, will end up happening. Like Errol was saying, very hard to beat a three team three times. So I think the 49ers will outplay them, and I think the Rams will win it late. I'm going to say 23-20. Tyler? I'm asking you because your memory is the best on the show. Yeah. 
Did I have Niners or did I have Bucks playing the Bills? 49ers, Bills, Super Bowl. Oh, then screw it. I'm going to stick with my gut here. I think San Fran beats them three times. I mean, there's something to be said for being a team twice. And the second game, yeah, Odell was there. And this is going to be a high-scoring game. I don't care what anyone says. I just think when it comes down to it, the Niners' defense is better, and they're going to get the better stops. San Fran, 34. Rams, 30. Jeff, who do you got? I think the San Francisco 49ers have the better defense for sure, without a doubt. But they also have the shittiest quarterback left in the playoffs. And generally in a playoff game, you want the team with the better quarterback. And that's the Rams. And that's who I'm going with. Cam Akers, I think, will finally get it going and maybe run for a few yards. He's kind of had a tough uh, couple of weeks. I think that's going to come to an end and, and he's going to perform well. I'll go out on a limb, too, and say uh, Van Jefferson, two tutters. Niffin, who do you got? I got the Rams in this game. Uh... I feel like this Matthew Safford has something to prove here. Obviously, I said this before. The Rams put all the chips in with Matthew Safford and Vaughn Miller and Odell Beckham. This team has a lot of pressure um, coming in, coming into Sunday's game. So I, I got the Rams. It, it's going to be a close game. Division game, obviously, and the 49ers won both of them this year. But um, I, I got the Rams winning uh, 31-24. to 24. I think this is going to be a real fun game to watch. Very, very close. I think when you look at the quarterback play, Jeff is right. The better quarterback in this game is Matthew Stafford. It's not even close. But I, it all questions who can run the ball in this game. Akers made a lot of mistakes last uh, last week that could have cost the, uh, the Rams a chance of winning the game. If he does it again this week against the San Francisco 49ers team and this defense, that's going to that's gonna be uh, big trouble for the Rams. But I think all in all, they have the better wide receiver in Cooper Cup and Odell Beckham, even though I like what Debo Samuels is doing this year, and I love George Kittle. I think he's the best tight end in this game. But again, George Kittle isn't 100%. The offensive line isn't 100%, and that that causes trouble when Von Miller and Aaron Donald is going at you, and he's gonna, they're going to try to get to you. So uh, give me the Rams. It will be close. This game will be close. It'll be to the end. I think it's going to be a field goal. Uh, the Rams win the game at home. There's no way this team loses three games in a row this year against the same team. Even though I see what Snug said, the 49ers have won the last six uh, six mm-hmm. games against the uh, the Rams. That's great. And that, that usually concludes that there will be a loss one way or another. So right. give me the Rams. It will be right. close. But what are we going to say? Who's going to say something? I was going to say something. A- so Pat Mahomes is tied for the best win percentage of active quarterbacks. Do you, mm-hmm. know, you know who's tied with? Tom Brady? Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Just – Put it out there. There's an interesting prop bet for this game, too, if you guys are betters. There's a great, great prop bet. It's actually going off at plus 1,900 for Debo Samuel to score a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. That was that was Aaron oh. Schatz's pick when I asked him about bold prediction. That He, he said wow. that, so. Oh, did he really? Yes, yeah, he, he did. did. And he's, the Niners have to win, or it's just the prop? No, rushing no, and receiving touchdown. That, get, that Debo needs, a, yeah, just a rushing touchdown uh, and a receiving touchdown. And it's plus nineteen hundred. I kind of feel like that's kind of easy money. I don't know about it's easy uh, money. No, Kyle no. Gonna, I would say Kyle easy Shanahan's money. Gonna, <laughs> I mean, he's going to get the attention, is what I mean. He's going to get the looks. He's going to get the opportunity to do it. It's not like he's going to get too. And well, guess who's going to be defending against yeah. him? Ramsey. Ramsey, who, by the way, doesn't look healthy because after what we saw last week, uh, where he just left what's his name again wide open to catch the ball. Yeah, but that's not necessarily true, though, either, because if you go back to last week, all the Buccaneers had was Mike Evans, and Jalen Ramsey was only on Mike Evans 63% of the time. I saw that. I saw that number. But at the end of the game, uh, he he switched with, what's his name again, Williams? Yes. Uh, He switched with Williams because Mike Evans was just killing him. And then all of a sudden, Ramsey was getting killed, too. I I thought Ramsey got killed. Every time uh, the ball was getting thrown, 
uh, when Ramsey was taking him. Mike Evans was killing him, and Mike Evans wasn't 100% healthy. So uh, I, I, I think there might be something wrong with Ramsey. I don't know if he's 100% healthy. Name a, guy, that, name a guy that is 100% healthy after No, yeah, I understand. That's fair. I understand. Also keep yeah. this in mind, too. I think in terms of teams that pl- face the Rams pretty often, whether it's a division team or a, another NFC team that faces them a lot, I don't think there's a better – coach it than Kyle Shanahan when it comes to maneuvering Debo Samuel away from Jalen Ramsey, too. He's always done well with that, no matter where he lines him up. I think it's going to be a very interesting week, uh, but I do believe uh, it, it would be even more fun to watch the Rams versus uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I want, um, I want to go back to the Bengals real quick. The only way I see them winning the game, like you guys said, the offensive line needs to step up, but the running game needs to step up, too. I feel like you have a running back in Joe Mixon where he can control the clock. Uh, the Bengals' goal needs to be keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands as much as possible. And if the Bengals are winning the time of possession, I think they have a shot at winning in this game. So I think the Bengals' two keys is running the ball and, uh, and, and, and having the offensive line step up during the game. I think the keys are always running the ball. When you, you're playing a great quarterback... You want to run the ball, and you want to play good defense. The only way the Bengals are going to win, they got to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands and let Joe Burrow be the center of attention as the quarterback of the game. If they do that, they got to protect him, too, because I think Joe Burrow was hit too many times last week. If he gets hit like that against Kansas City, it could be uh, showtime in the locker room with concussions or broken knee or broken leg. Because we all know... We, we saw what Melvin Ingram did, uh, at, you know, in the beginning of the game uh, when he they, that defense was getting racked up by Buffalo. Buffalo had a 7 nothing lead, and they looked like they were going to dom- dom- dominate the game. And you saw Melvin Ingram yelling at Jones on the sideline, and then all of a sudden you saw this defense play completely different. So um, I think <coughs> Melvin Ingram is going to play a big part of what this team is, and d- this defense is going to be moving forward in the playoffs. So it's going to be fun. I realize the Titans – is like an excellent, excellent defense. Nine sacks. But the Chiefs defense isn't exactly chopped liver either. They can get after the quarterback yes. too. There are no slouches. Chris Jones, Melvin yeah. Ingram. I mean, this yep. is a good pass rush. And they just beat Buffalo without Tyron Matthew the whole game. He was out after the second play of the game. Tyron Matthew's supposed to play, uh, supposed to play this week, right? They're, they're not sure yet, but uh, he's probably playing. He's got to pass concussion protocol, but it seems like he will. Uh, they'll find name a, a guy, name, name a guy that wouldn't pass concussion protocol. Mm. It's the one of the biggest games of the year. It's not going to matter. They'll yeah. find a doctor that says he's yeah. okay to go. Yeah, he is going to play. And uh, it'll be the same doctor that shot up Antonio Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I don't know if you had a chance to read that article. I have Toradol, but Toradol is legal in the NFL. It's mm-hmm. not a banned substance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then Antonio Brown was lying. Okay, so <coughs> Antonio Brown's crazy. Uh, well, Did you see that interview? A real sports with Brian Gumble? Did you see that interview? No, I'm actually I taped it. I taped real sports. I watch every real sport, but I because every every what is it? Every three weeks there's a real sport for the month, and I I taped this this month's uh, real sport. I haven't had a chance to check it out, but I will. I'll, I'll look. I'll watch it. Go ahead and watch it and tell me if you think Antonio Brown is of sane, sane mind. <laughs> well, nobody thinks he's insane mind, but uh, even even the stripper or whatever she was, uh, the one that he slept with. And by the way, she's selling the video right now to the highest bidder. Uh, she recorded the little a sex little fun that the, she had with Antonio Brown for a million dollars. So, oh, wow. Damn. And I think she's going to make it because I think uh, people... 
you know, people are going to want to see it. I don't know why. But TM, TMZ will buy it. Yeah, TMZ yeah. probably will buy it. But uh, she is selling it, and she's going to be a millionaire off of it. So uh, this woman who nobody's even heard of. And now uh, I think uh, – and by the way, Craig Carton and Evan Roberts, I, I, I'm i a big fan of what WFN is trying to do. But I, I'm going to say this. Mm. What the hell are they trying to do? This is not the Howard Stern show. Why are you inviting Playboy Playmates? Why are you inviting? Awesome. I, I I understand that, but you, you're not Howard Stern. I don't understand why you're and you, you're inviting these strippers and all these yeah. different people on your don't show. Don't hate on good content. It's not good content. It's it's horrible. If you have, if you actually listen to it, the interviews are horrible. These girls don't even know how to speak. And they're on the show. This is a sports radio show, not a Howard Stern show. And they don't know anything about sports. For anybody that could sit there and listen to the garbage that they're putting on WFAN, it's despicable. Okay? Despicable. Hilar- and- hilarious that you're, like, knocking someone for not being able to I'll speak. I'll tell you like what, week Jeff. Week after week, you still have Tyler on. <laughs> Chuck says, um, Playboy playmates are almost good for any show. If you're a sports fan, first of all, and I understand you guys think it's great, Playboy, Playmates are great. Yeah, if they know anything about sports and they they actually talk. When Howard has them on the show, Howard's just talking about tits and ass and they laugh. The fact that – and I I look at Evan Roberts' face while they're doing it. He just sits there with his tail between his legs because he doesn't even know how to ask the question. Well, maybe Craig Carton's trying to sell him counterfeit tickets or whatever he was doing. Maybe he's trying to do something else, but who knows. But – Craig Carton is it, it's it, it's really it's despicable. By the way, wasn't he? First of all, why? First of all, did he already go to jail? Get, what happened with that? I'm sorry. What did you say? What? What? Didn't he? Wasn't he supposed to go to jail, or did he go to jail? He went to he jail went for to jail. two years. Yeah. Here's what. Here's yeah. what happened. Here's what happened. He went to jail for two years for selling tickets and and selling tickets through his organization that were tickets that WFM was trying to sell, and he was making money off of it to try to pay off uh, what he owes to betting and, and what he did in Atlantic City and Foxwoods and all that other stuff. He got caught, and the fact because he's because he's Craig Carton and because of who he is, he only got two years, and then all of a sudden when he got out, because of Mike Francesa's retirement and that the, the, the numbers were so bad and the ratings were so bad at WFN, they had to you know put their tail between the league legs and Mark Chernoff before he left and before he retired he reached out to Craig Carton and gave him and offered him a five-year deal worth about I think three hundred four hundred thousand dollars a year where he is going to not not do a four-hour show not do a five-hour show do almost a six-hour show on WFAN where him and Evan Roberts do not match up very very well one is more is more less than the other, and and Carton is just a powerful personality who really doesn't know anything about sports. Sounds no like offense. you're describing another show I listen to. What 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 is it? What are you talking about? Uh, no, it's just the way you're talking about those two guys and how they don't work together and that kind of thing. And sounds like you're describing something a little closer to home. Uh, shut up. <laughs> oh, me and him know this. Uh, Jeff, shut up. Hey, hey, Tyler. <laughs> Tyler, what did you say before? I couldn't hear you. Oh, I said, do you want my chair? Jeff's taking replacements. <laughs> Call him. He'll figure it out. Um, are, are you kidding? I would settle for that chair wearing headphones. <laughs> take worry, that into consideration. Don't, don't worry, Jeff. Wait, wait, wait. I'll, I'll take I'll – t- I'll, you know what? I'll, just add a, fourth, add a fourth chair into that studio. I'm in. 
Jeff, oh, no, you don't need a fourth. Don't, you Jeff, don't have mine. Jeff, don't worry. If we ever discover ghosts in this house, we'll put, we'll put headphones on it. All right. I'll so give you, I'll give you I'll give you someone even better than than Tyler. You want someone better? It's supposed to be cold. Have Speedy build a snowman and put the snowman in the chair. <laughs> You know what? Like twelve inches this weekend, Speedy. <laughs> we are getting bet, twelve inches. Yeah, you better get Not right. the first time There's you've gotten twelve inches, inches is it, Tyler? <laughs> if putting water wasn't bad for the equipment, I would do that, Jeff. But it would hurt. It would harm the equipment. Oh man! All right. Hey, All hey right. I just want to say, Speedy, if that you hack it. Your on inside sources. I know, Nathan. I know. Can't wait for his new nickname. Will be can't. That's his new nickname. Nathaniel can't hack it. <laughs> can't hack it. Before we go, I, I wanted to get it because. There were a lot of people, you know, I had a conversation over the over the weekend about the Chicago Bulls of 98. Michael Jordan was, uh, you know, kind of deciding if he was going to stay. I think it had a lot to do with the GM. If anybody watched The Last Dance, they know that everybody knows that the the GM of the organization did not want Scottie Pippen to stay on the team. They wanted he wanted to get rid of contracts and all that other all that other stuff. Now, if there wasn't a problem with the GM situation and and looking back at the 98 Bulls. I believe that Michael Jordan had another two years left at the top of his game. He had one of his best seasons in 98. That Bulls team was arguably one of the greatest teams of all time. And, and here's my question to all of you guys. And, and Jeff, you, you can get involved with this. If you look at the 99 championship San Antonio Spurs, and remember it was a half a season, basketball was on strike. I, the Chicago Bulls only had to play 50 games. Mm-hmm. And it would have been a lot easier to go and win a championship that year. And, and even in 2000. Do you think, and here's the argument, do you think that if, if, if Phil Jackson and the Chicago Bulls stayed together for 90, 99 and 2000, uh, does Shaquille O'Neal go to the Lakers and do the Lakers create a dynasty over there in, in L.A.? Uh, maybe Kobe Bryant isn't with the Lakers. Maybe Kobe Bryant is still with the Hornets that draft him. Uh, before they traded with Vladi Divac. So uh, first, I I, I want to know you guys' opinion. I'll let you go, Speedy, first. Uh, what what are your thoughts to that, that argument that if Phil Jackson stayed with the Chicago Bulls? Very interesting. I think Kobe would have still been there because I think that was a trade. So I think he still would have been Not there. Not necessarily because Kobe was uh, – his rookie season was <clears throat> when? 96. 96. 96. And Shaq's first year in L.A. was And there was a plan that Phil Jackson – I think there was a plan before that. that yeah, Phil Jackson... I, I think I think, I think, think they still would have done that. Shaq okay. is an interesting one because, yeah, he could have gone to a, a lot of other different places too. If, if or stayed with Orlando. Yeah, or stayed with Orlando because Orlando still had, obviously, Tracy McGrady and before he moved to Toronto and where, um, wherever else he ended up going to, the Rockets. The Houston yeah, Rockets. Rockets yes. Yeah, So, yeah, that could have been interesting. I, I think Kobe still would have been there because, I, again, I, I think one the Hornets – at that time, yeah, they had a but nice do, team. But are they the a 90s. dynasty without Phil are they Jackson? A dynasty is a, is a good question, though, because I think eventually Phil Jackson would have left the Bulls. I don't think it would have been necessarily that direct year if it wasn't for the last dance. But does he go to the the L.A. Lakers? Yeah, I, 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 can see, I can still see him doing that. I don't. I don't. I can still him. see him doing that it. just because I think he still would want. He would want to win without MJ. He would want, and the Lakers, I think, will attract him. He could have won with other teams too. Speedy, I, I get that. But... Sacramento with with Phil Jackson, with yeah. uh, Chris Webber and Mike Bibby and Vladdy oh. Divac. I, I I think he could have won with them playing his offense over there. The triangle offense would have worked over there. Sure, so I, I I beg to differ. I also think though too, if 
the Lakers didn't get Shaq. Let's say hypothetically, say with Orlando, they probably would have gotten another big name free agent. Who? It's the Lakers. Because it's the Lakers. Who? I don't know Shaquille what that time. I don't know what that time. Shaquille O'Neal was the most dominant player in the league at one point, and, and Michael Jordan even said it in '98 that, that that he was light years better than any big man he's ever played against. You're talking about Hakeem Olajuwon. You're talking about Patrick Ewing and all the other guys. The the ability that this big man had running up and down the court, the size of him. Uh, yes, he wasn't a good foul shooter, but how many big men were? You know, so. I, I I will say this: if if Shaquille O'Neal doesn't go to Lakers, I don't see, I I do not see Phil Jackson going to Lakers. I don't. I know you're a Kobe Bryant fan, so I know you're probably going to swing that way. So where do you go with this? I don't know what this means because Shaq was in L.A. three years before Phil Jackson left Chicago. So I don't understand what that has to do with any of this. The trade was actually mentioned by Jerry West to Shaq. Mm-hmm. In addition to the, I know you're looking me up, so mm-hmm. thank you. Mm-hmm. So. Jerry West sold Shaq on, hey, when you're signing that contract, we're going to trade for this other young kid. His name's Kobe Bryant, blah, blah, blah. And Shaq was like, all right, yeah, whatever. And he was half listening. So mm-hmm. that was a plan the Lakers had, too. Uh, the Lakers dynasty definitely would have happened. Now, really? Without Phil Jackson? No, because I think Phil was going there regardless. And the other thing you have to consider how do you, how do you Chicago. Fi- how do you figure that? Because Michael just, Jordan didn't leave Chicago because he didn't want to yeah. play basketball anymore. He didn't want to be under Jerry Krause mm-hmm. with a new coach. Well, because you were Phil right said, that you were right right that uh, that Shaq went in ninety six, ninety seven. But he has, but yeah, okay, yeah, you know, Phil Jackson wasn't sure that he was leaving until really ninety eight. I know after the season. So no, how I do know. you know for sure that Phil Jackson was planning to go to the well, Lakers? Thank you, because this is easy where I'm going with this. So Phil, well, well, easy answer. Told, I want to hear this. Thank you. So Phil told them, mm-hmm. "I want to come back." Jerry Krause said, "This is your last year. I don't care if you win an NBA championship or not." You guys are done after this year. Michael Jordan then said, okay, that's fine. I'm not playing under a different coach. It's mm-hmm. Phil or I'm out. And they said, well, we're sorry you feel that way. So if Michael Jordan would have – do I think Jordan would have stayed in Chicago if they brought Phil back? Yes. Do I think that if those three players stayed there, do they win another title? Yes. But I don't th- – this is all really hypothetical. That's the whole point of it. I know. I don't like talking about the same. I don't like talking about the same shit as everybody talked no, on I radio get it. show. I get it. So I'm but debating an argument I, that is a good argument. And of course, you because you're up Lake, you're up the Lakers' ass and Kobe Bryant's ass. You want to stick your hand and play like a puppet? Yes. It has so, nothing to do with Kobe Bryant. Go ahead, Jeff. Jeff I want to know your opinion. Jeff, Jeff, I want to know your opinion. I want to know your opinion. I respect all the Bulls, all of their talent. I think they're all great players. But one thing, to me anyways, became very clear. The end in the last dance had to be the end. And no, I don't think they would have won another championship together because that pot was boiling over. They all hated each other at the end. Horace Grant hated them. Scotty Pippen hated them. Uh, Luke Longley hated everybody. Uh, they all hated each other. And there was eventually, they couldn't have stayed together. They were all going to kill each other. Not to, not to mention Dennis Rodman taking off to Vegas and stuff. They all would have ended up killing each other. And as far as Phil going to the Lakers, mm-hmm. that was the only place he was ever going anyways. Why, you ask? He was pounding Genie Bus forever. He was never not going anywhere else. Well, I don't know if he was pounding Genie Bus at the time that he went over there. I, yes, I, he was. He's been dating her for twenty years, thirty years. Are you sure about that? Because I, I, yes. I didn't, I didn't know that yes. until really later in in his time with the Lakers <clears throat> that he was banging no. for Genie Bus. Yes, he was always dating her. He was always dating her because when he got hired, they were like, "Oh, is they, are you just hiring your boyfriend? Is that what you, what you're doing?" They were together before he was the coach, so he was always going there. Um, 
I, again, I, I'm trying to. I'm just trying to look at Phil Jackson's, you know, career and 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 the whole, you know, whole background of Phil Jackson. But I, I, I hey, Phil Jackson, uh, he sucked. Go ahead. Uh, he, he sucked with the Knicks. So that that's uh, he wasn't a coach. I know. I'm just saying. Uh, but if he would have coached so, the Knicks, the Knicks would have been slightly better. Yeah. Maybe. Emphasis on slightly. Well, Maybe. I said slightly, yes. <laughs> Maybe. Like 25, 30 right. games instead of. Yeah, they might have been the playoffs threw, once. Maybe. They threw him Which, out of New York. He was actually doing a pretty good job. They just didn't give him enough time. People ruined that dude for the whole Chris Stapps Porzingis thing. Turns out Chris Stapps was pretty good. I mean, not in his first year or second year, but he ended up working out, and that's what ultimately ended up getting him fired in New York. Porzingis was good in his first year, and then he got hurt. He was dating Jeannie Buss. After he became a Lakers, uh, after he became a Lakers man, uh, Lakers coach, I'm reading. Yeah. I'm reading right here. So it was. Yeah, after. I'm telling you, I, I, I specifically I, remember the interviews. Of right. Why are you just hiring your boyfriend? Mm. All right. So he was with her before. All right. Well, again, uh, you you look at the big picture and you look at where you know where this because it says right over here they started dating in 2000. Okay, mm-hmm. and he became the. The uh, the manager, uh, I mean, the coach of the Lakers in '99. So, whatever, who cares? The fact is, the the the, the fact is, with, with with Phil Jackson, I don't know if Phil Jackson Phil Jackson goes to the Lakers if no. if, if 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 he stays, if the Bulls stay together, if if Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, and Michael Jordan stay together. And by the way, Michael Jordan even said that he had a. He, he believed he was at top of his game, and he believed that he could have played another two straight great years. And when he came back for the Bullets, before he hurt his knee, he was averaging 25, 26 points a game. Yeah. So he was still he was still a great player when he missed five years, four years of basketball. So I, I, I do believe that maybe this dynasty never happened. Maybe maybe Kobe – obviously Kobe Shaq were there. Maybe they bring in another coach and they still win. But, I mean, the triangle offense – Transitioned the Bulls. The Bulls never won until Phil Jackson took over the team, and he implicated, yeah, when Doug Collins was there, he implemented yeah, Doug Collins have done what they when did. when right. when they implemented that triangle offense to that 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 team. So Phil Jackson was really the transition of what that Bulls team was in the dynasty of that Bulls team, and the same thing with the Lakers. I think if if Phil Jackson didn't go there, do they win three in a row? No. As good as Shaquille O'Neal, and maybe Kobe Bryant doesn't transition into the player he wa- he becomes in- without the triangle offense. Now he probably would have been a great player, but again, you, when you when you play in an offense like that, it strategically builds around the perimeter and and what the peri- you know what the guy does with the ball and and on the outskirts of shooting. You need to be a good shooter in a triangle offense. You need to have a good shooters around the perimeter. Kobe Bryant really developed a shot when he came mm-hmm. into the league. He wasn't a good shooter when he came into the league. He wasn't. It, it transi- he had to transition his game, and he even said it. He took 500 shots a day before he became, before yeah. he understood yeah. how to become a great shooter. So, and that had a lot to do with the offense and where they were running the offense <clears throat> through him to Shaquille, Shaquille O'Neal. So, mm-hmm. again, I, I I I still I still look at it now. Maybe Phil Jackson goes there. Maybe maybe it, maybe it's true, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe Phil Jackson decides to stay with the Bulls if if that GM wasn't there. You know, so or the GM f- retires, he he quits right. because the owner says, you know what, I want I want Michael to stay here, I want Scotty to stay here, I want Dennis here, I don't want you here, get the hell out of here. You know, the owner decided to stick with the GM, which I think was a big mistake, and it ruined the Bulls because the the Bulls didn't win again for, until Derrick Rose was drafted. And how long ago? How yeah, long it was, was a that? Decade gap at least. It, it yeah. was a long time before the Bulls actually started winning again. They were horrible. 
And I think the NBA gave him Derrick Rose, really, because to me, with the lottery, I think that draft lottery in the NBA, it was pretty much planned with these balls and everything. I still think there's something up with those with the NBA draft lottery. I, I think there's something something going on over there with the NBA. But again, you you can argue and contrast. It's a very good argument because. I, 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 I'm not saying that Kobe Bryant wasn't great. I'm not saying Kobe wouldn't have been great or Shaquille O'Neal wouldn't dominate and wouldn't have been the same dominant force there. Right. But would they have won three in a row? Would they have been as dominant for five or six years where nobody or everybody had problems beating them? This I don't is know. A, this is a good uh, good Twitter poll question if you can put up or, or, what, or discussion on Twitter, whatever, so people can get involved in it. I think this is a good topic to talk about. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think this is a good, a good poll question. There's going to be so many theories on it, too, yeah. because you have to factor in yeah. free agency. you got to factor in if Absolutely. Jerry Krause was the only one that left, would the players have been, like you were saying, Jeff, would they have been as tense with each other as no, they were? No, I don't think so at all. And also, how long would Phil Jackson want to take on that challenge, too? Let's say Scotty Pippen wanted to get paid, and Jerry Krause didn't want to give it to him. Right. So, let's say, also, let's well, say Phil Jackson. Scotty signed that. his contract. I'm sorry? Scotty but, signed his contract. Uh, Scotty the owner get, even told him, why are you signing that? You can get paid more. Uh, exactly. Scotty was forced to take something that he didn't want to take. And no, the owner said, why are you taking this? Because he wanted to stay there. He wanted to win. And that's why they traded him to the Portland Trailblazers after that. And, and it was all because of Michael Jordan leaving. And Michael Jordan wasn't happy the fact that Phil Jackson was leaving. He knew that Phil Jackson was going to leave because if all three of them weren't going to stay together, Michael wasn't going to stay there. Well, that was the story. You watched The Last Dance. That yeah. was the truth. No, mm-hmm. I, I'm not saying that wasn't the truth. But we'll also say this. If Michael Jordan would have stayed, mm-hmm. I'd still say they'd trade Scottie Pippen. I don't think so. I think so. I don't think so. Because Michael Jordan, even though they don't they, they don't talk much right now, Michael Jordan said that he was he was the best Robin in the league. He was the, he was there was nobody that he played better. He he he's played against same speech no, no, he said it. No, hold on. He said that he played against he played on the dream team. He says he was the best teammate he's ever played with. Mm-hmm. And that's and that and that's even counting the dream team when he played with Larry Bird and Michael and Magic Johnson right. and all the other players. So right. he said during his Hall of Fame speech, I'm not up here without Scotty Pippen. Exactly. So I I don't I don't think I don't think Scottie Pippen leaves if if Michael Jordan stays and my and Scottie speaks very highly of Michael even though he can't stand him now mm-hmm. you know he speaks highly he says there to Michael Jordan what Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan for anybody to compare and contrast Michael Jordan and then I heard I I, I heard stories that when Scotty was trying to compare and contrast Michael Jordan to to LeBron James and he he slipped that LeBron James. Uh, Le- LeBron James will have better numbers than Michael Jordan and all that mm-hmm. other stuff, and everybody thought that he was taking LeBron James' side. He wasn't because if you look at the big picture and what Michael Jordan do- did and really how he took over the league and, and really transitioned the game of basketball, shoe deals, sneaker deals, everything, he transitioned the game internationally and everything else. Basketball wouldn't be here today. It wouldn't be what it is today internationally without Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. So I, I I beg to differ. You know, as good as LeBron James is and what he's transitioned the game to, he is not Michael Jordan, nor will he ever be. He might mm-hmm. have more money. I, I still he probably won't make one because Michael Jordan is making $140 million off his sneaker deals every single year, Who which is still the most. Michael Jordan. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He's still – for a guy that hasn't does, played in a league for 20 years. He doesn't have nearly the international appeal as Larry Bird. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love guys from Indiana? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> now, he could, this, this, this transitions into this question, okay? Who is the greater and the better L.A. Laker coach? Pat hmm. Riley or Phil Jackson? 
Wow. Now, now, which is very interesting because both of them were dominant almost the same amount of time. I think Phil Jackson for seven, eight years, and um, Pat, Pat Riley. Riley was seven, eight years. Right. So they both were dominant, and they've been to – Numerous amount of finals. I, I, Pat Riley won multiple championships with the Lakers, and so did Phil Jackson. Now, honestly, your pick when you and explain why, Speedy, you weren't alive for this, and I no, know Jeff. Me and Jeff were. We've seen it, and none of you guys were, but me and Jeff. Uh, what what you know about Pat Riley, what you know about Phil Jackson, and what they did for the game, and what they did for the Lakers. Who would you think would be would you pick as your head coach? I would take Pat Riley. I I think he was a little more of a innovator of his game more than Phil Jackson was just a little bit. Yes. Phil Jackson had the triangle offense, the Zen mentality. That was fantastic. I think Pat Riley though, for like the X's and O's and for the different, different players that they had was a little more innovative with what he did. Magic Johnson. Great. Obviously was a great player at Michigan state, but Pat Riley helped him turn into that lengthy point guard. That's kind of changed the game now too, with the defense, the perimeter, the rebounding and all that stuff. Michael Cooper, great perimeter mm. defender in his time. I think the innovative, what Look he at did you. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar obviously was great for his whole career before before he went to the Lakers anyway, but he still got the best out of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yes, too. And I think those... And Magic Johnson. I think that creativity of it, the way his mind works with the innovation, the, the players that he brought in, even the supporting cast that has changed year in and year out because they it was just the beginning of the salary cap at, the, at that time. So the free agency wasn't as prominent as it got into later on with the 90s and then obviously in the 2000s when they brought in Shaq and those guys. So he had a little more challenges. And I think he even brought that, too, later on now that he's with Miami winning the championship there and now him being a GM and fantastic, the probably the best one in the league right now with what he's done with Miami. I just think his creativity that he made it work with those types of types of players, both on and off the court. I would take Pat Riley. How about you, Tyler? As a coach, I'm going with Phil. Um, obviously, as an executive, Pat Riley smokes him just based yeah. on Miami and the Knicks. <laughs> it's not even close. But as a coach, you gotta go with Phil here, and I'm gonna go with Phil's second stint over his first stint because he had Shaq, the triangle offense was through Shaq. We all know that, but to manage. And you kind of got to tie it in with Chicago. To manage the egos in a locker room, no one did it better than Phil. You can't – to me, there's not an argument here. When Phil Jackson gets Shaq in a room and Kobe in a room, hey, guys, I know you two want to kill each other. You kind of need each other at the same time. Your brothers, blah, 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 and they go out there and win three straight. So that's fine. Oh, Kobe, you want me back? All right, well, eh, you're kind of an asshole. I don't know if I want to come back. All right, I'll come back. And then he takes Kobe, who was a ruthless assassin killer, and, all right, turned him into a leader of a team that won two finals in three years and went to three straight trips again. To me, he's just a better manager of egos. And that's what the NBA is now. So if I had to take one right now, I'm going with Phil. Because the Zen mentality, yeah, he's a pothead. That's really the nice way to say it. But he, it works. It gravitates guys. When you're laid back and nonchalant and it'll all work out, that's what players gravitate to nowadays. So I would take Phil. Jeff, who do you got? Listen, I, I know I don't like the kid, right? And <laughs> and he says a lot of dumb shit, but that's easily one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Phil Jackson, better manager of egos. Magic Johnson. Uh, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. James Worthy. R- R- Worthy, Byron Scott, the list could go on and on of the great players on that team. You were in a lot of You You think managing two egos is different than managing 13 egos? Because that team was loaded. Pop, uh, listen, I'll steal a line from Chris Rock in one of his comedy specials. No man on earth has led more black people to the promised land than Pat Riley. <laughs> That's the joke, right? <laughs> 
Pat Riley is a god. He did. And by the way, when Shaq and Colby were beating people, they weren't beating great teams. They didn't beat that great Bulls team. You know who Pat Riley was going through and, and making it happen? Great Celtics, Boston Celtics yep. teams, mm-hmm. the great Pistons teams, mm-hmm. like actual dynasties. And Pat Riley was mowing them down. Teams that the Kobe Lakers and the and the Shaq Lakers would have never been able to go through with all due respect to them, right? And I realize Tyler's not old enough to have seen Pat Riley in those no. Lakers teams, but but say oh, he nicknames. had to manage he had to manage those two egos. Go look at that Lakers roster and see how many egos were on that team. Every final in the 80s either had the Lakers or the Celtics. I think the Lakers were in seven of them. <laughs> Niffin, who do you got? Well, I wasn't alive for this, but, um, man, I, I think, you know, I, I'm going to go with Pat Riley for uh, both because he, uh, even though after coaching and then also owning the teams now with the Heat and all, he continues to win. Uh, like Phil Jackson when he went to the Knicks, or uh, he messed up the whole thing. So, I I, I think Pat Riley is is a winner. Obviously, a legend in the, in the game, and um, obviously he was a great coach too. So, winning championship as a coach and winning championship as a uh, owner. So, I'm definitely going with Pat Riley here. I, I think uh, with with all you guys, you I know mean, who else is on the team? I'm just looking at the roster. Bob McAdoo. Yeah, also but, on oh yeah, Kurt Rambis. Kurt Rambis Kurt also Rambis. on this. Dude, the list goes oh, on. Oh, man, I remember Kurt Rambis. On that team. And you're worried about managing two egos? Dude, that just, that is clearly, no offense, because I realize you're not old enough, that is clearly a voice of inexperienced talk. Well, he doesn't, he wasn't alive for Pat Riley. And, and I, I was, I was, I was saying. a young guy. I was a young guy when Pat Riley was running the Lakers. But I remember my grandfather used to talk about the, the Lakers dynasty and what they did in the, the, in the early 80s. And how what dominant they team, were. What, what great team did that, that show Kobe and Shaq Lakers beat? Nobody. What great team did Sacramento? they beat? Nobody. Sacramento? Nobody. I mean. And by the way, that Sacramento team was awesome when they had Peja Stojakovic and um, who was the other Croatian guy? It was Peja Stojakovic and, oh, Hito Turkoglu. Hito Turkoglu. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Mike Bibby, you know, uh, Jason Williams. Dude, that was the first team that could really shoot. Like, before that team. Like that was the first team that was like, oh, we're only shooting threes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're right, and it's so inter- interesting when you look at this. And that when I was sitting home over the weekend, and I was trying to, I, I started to look at, you know, what Pat Riley did in the league and, and the transition of what, you know, what uh, what Phil Jackson did in his career, coming to the Chicago Bulls and really becoming, a, he was an assistant coach, and he, he you know, he he was behind he. he he was a Nick and he won two championships with the Knicks on the bench. Really? He was a bench player and really understanding the offense and, and, and bringing the triangle offense, what he learned from the Knicks to the NBA when he went to the Chicago bulls. And then when he took over the Chicago bulls and what he did with the bulls and the dynasties that he built, he had Michael Jordan there. He had, he arguably the greatest basketball player of all time and has arguably the greatest defensive player of all time. It's Scottie Pippen on the perimeter. And I, I, I would put Scottie Pippen, against anybody defensively in the league right now, and I think he'd shut him down or keep them close. Even Kevin Durant, he'd be able to put Kevin Durant in his spot the way Kevin Durant shoots. So, I mean, he's coached great players like that and then brought Dennis Rodman in and and what Dennis Rodman really was. But – those and you look at you look at the talent over there and look at the the, the personalities and egos over there. That's high. And then you look at you know Shaquille O'Neal and obviously Kobe Bryant. Very very egotistical guys. Obviously the Diesel and the Black Mamba, what he called himself. But 
you look at what Pat Riley did and, and look at the teams that he coached. And, Jeff, you said it best. Look at the players that he had. He had Magic Johnson, which, by the way, if you know the whole story and watch the Magic Johnson document, the, 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 the TV documentary that they're going to do, uh, they made a movie on HBO of Magic Johnson. It's called Magic or something like that. Check that out. It's coming out uh, at the end of this month, beginning of February, on HBO. And they're going to talk about that whole dynasty uh, of the Lakers. and Somebody's going to play Pat, Pat Riley. A guy that's playing Magic Johnson looks like Magic Johnson. Okay, And Magic Johnson was a party animal. And he hung out with uh, Bus. He went out. He, he hung out with a lot of strippers. He slept with thousands and thousands of women. That had a lot to do with Bus. Dude, th- dude, think about this, right? Just another element to throw in there, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty notable. Mm-hmm. Shaq and Kobe played in the TMZ era. Yep. Right, the the cell phone era where yep. like you can't really Social screw media. up because so right they can't really screw up because someone's gonna have a video. Yep. <laughs> like, do you know what those parties were like? That Magic Johnson didn't get AIDS; he earned AIDS. Yep. He slept with like a million women, dude. Mm-hmm. He was at a party, and every night that whole team was with the owner. Somehow, with the right? owner, and, wow. some, and somehow Pat Riley's got to keep it together. Yep. There was nothing holding those guys back. And here's a, and here's the thing, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. If you know that whole story. He wasn't getting along with Magic Johnson. Him and Magic Johnson could not hated get along. Other. They hated each other. And James Worthy was in between them, as good as he was from North Carolina and his great uh, all-time type of player. James Worthy had to deal with the arguments in the Brand locker room. Right. And Pat Riley was in between it. You don't even know. I'm trying to tell you the story. No, you were alive No, I know. I'm saying James Worthy overall is very underrated. And Byron Scott. There's, there's six Hall of Famers on that yep. team. Six Hall of Famers. That, that's a lot of ego when you have six Hall of Famers on a team versus two. And Who Byron, else was on that team besides Shaq and Kobe? No, Who else? Nobody. Uh, Derek, nobody. Derek Fisher. <laughs> but doesn't that mean that he did a better job coaching? No, no, Pat but, Riley had six no, Hall no, no, of Famers. No, 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 Pat, no, 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 Pat no, no, no. Had no, two, no, I'm, but no, he made them or one, depending he, on what on, era Tyler, you're talking about. Tyler, hold on. I'm just speaking to your point about oh, well, he had to manage egos, two egos versus ten egos is a lot more egos, right? Like if if you had two strikeouts and I had ten, who had more strikeouts? Who had a, who had and a you, and, better time? And you know who ran out Pat Riley out out to the Knicks, right? It was Magic Johnson. Magic Pat Riley was complaining to Buss that his his player was going out and partying and doing the things that he didn't want him to do. Playoff <sighs> games during playoff games, during during ch- title championships, and he had to control Magic Johnson and what he was doing on and off the court. Magic Johnson was getting away with everything because he was buddy-buddy with Buss, and Buss was friends with all the drug dealers and all that other stuff. Magic Johnson was around everything, cocaine, everything. <laughs> the party time of the 80s and, and when cocaine really exploded from the, the, early, the, the late... Late 70s or early 80s, Magic Johnson was around all of it in L.A. And, 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 and Pat not, Riley. And not for nothing. Mm-hmm. Not for nothing. Phil Jackson, not a very good basketball coach. Just not. He I don't think so either. Best, he uh, he so won either. with the best player in the league, and that's the only time he won. Mm-hmm. Right? He had the best player in the world at that time, both, both stints that he had. Mm-hmm. And then when he didn't have the best player in the world, he stopped. He sucked. Mm-hmm. He sucked. And he's right so because you, yeah. and 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 anyone can it, like do listen anyone that had Michael Jack uh, Michael Jordan Michael Jackson I'm an idiot uh, well it was Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson. <laughs> but anyone that had uh, Michael Jordan was going to win just like anyone who had Kobe and Shaq 
they were going to win. If you have the, it's 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 why LeBron wins. LeBron mm-hmm. picks a guy out of the third row of the stadium every night and says, "You're coaching this year," and they and they win. It's when Phil had regular players, he was terrible. I, I I would I would say that, and that's why he didn't want to coach the Knicks. You, you think, and everywhere you think and that everywhere was a, not a reason why? And you, everywhere you don't think Pat that? Riley has gone, Pat Riley has won. Mm-hmm. I think Pat I think Riley's done it with less players. Yes. He did it with an older burnt down shot look, look with at Dwayne the, Wade. Yes, Dwayne Wade, who by the way, he drafted Dwayne Wade and Dwayne White Wade didn't become a star until the playoffs, really, that year. He really changed the transition. Yeah, Shaq. Yeah, yes. Shaq and Shaq dominated the regular season. Oh, hold on, hold on. Sha- hold on. Shaq after LA mm-hmm. was going down the shell fast of himself. Because Dwayne Wade was the leader of that team. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with yeah. that, but he was still good in Miami. Yes, he was the best player in the regular right, right, right. season. Not, no one, no one's saying that he wasn't good, right? And I'm not saying that Dwayne Wade wasn't any good, but that's not the best player in the world. He fired right? Van Gundy. The he, only time, no. the only time, still won was when he had the best player in the they world. They were not like, winning. They were won. not winning before the playoffs. What did he do? He fired Stan Van Gundy. He fired Stan Van Gundy and took over. Pat Riley took over the team because he didn't trust that Stan Van Gundy was going to get the best out of his players. And he took over the team. When their team was on a, a slot, they lost six games in a row. I remember that. And Stan Van Gundy was fired. And Stan Van Gundy, they, were, they had 50 wins that year, I think, or something like that. And he fired Stan Van Gundy and took over the team, and they won the championship. Pat Riley, who wasn't the coach all season long, took over that team and changed that team with a blink of an By eye. The way. By the way, then he gets Shaq and, Shaq and Dwayne Wade, and then he says, ah, screw it. Get out of here, Shaq. I'll win without you. And then he went and got LeBron and Chris Bosh and won again. Yep, he did. And by the way, that nobody thought wins. and nobody and nobody thought that LeBron was going to go there and Chris Bosh was going to go there and play over there. And he got all three of those guys to go over there and play together and win yep. two championships. And, and were there four, I think, four championships or four NBA finals or something like that? And that's cute that you want to give Pat Riley the credit for that. But let's just be honest about something. That was all LeBron's idea. No, it wasn't. Yes. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. LeBron whoa, whoa. and that's Wade no, were very no, adamant no, no, they wanted to play together. And Cleveland couldn't under. afford it. And Dwayne no, Wade didn't no. want to leave warm weather. No. Bullshit argument. Absolute bullshit argument. Because you're like, oh, that's all LeBron. He's the best. Well, fuck it. Let's take Kobe off the Lakers and see if Phil wins. <laughs> that's fine I'm just saying you can't give Pat Dwayne Wade said why don't you come here and he gave LeBron all the reasons why Miami was a do you great know place that Dwayne play. Wade was a free agent when, when that yes. all happened right yeah Wade County? You think he was leaving he Wade County? He could have gone to the Knicks. He could have went to Chicago. Oh, he he could have taken. The Knicks he could, weren't respectable. It then. doesn't matter. He right, could have. T- he could have taken it to Chicago. He could have taken it to Toronto. Chicago couldn't have afforded all three of them. Yes, he could have. No, they couldn't. Who they have? I don't know who they had, but there was a reason they picked Miami. They had nobody. There was a handful of teams that could have afforded them. They had nobody. Derrick Rose was hurt. He was a match contract. It was an absolute horseshit argument to begin with because you go, oh, that's all LeBron. Well, listen, all of Phil's winning in L.A. was Kobe, wasn't it? No, so but I'm not talking just... about as a coach. I'm not bringing up the coaching. Why couldn't, why couldn't Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh go to Cleveland? Hmm? Why couldn't the they do that? Wants to go to Cleveland? It, it doesn't matter. They wanted to win a champion. They wanted to play together. And why would LeBron? The only reason why LeBron, no, the LeBron only reason why, left Cleveland for management. The, uh, the only reason why LeBron went yeah, that, uh, management. What are you talking about? LeBron Dan hated the owner, and he went back there to win a championship with Dan because Gilbert. of his fucking uh, no, resume. Because uh, he was sick and tired of being you know booed what? every night that, by the fans. You know what? If if 
it, listen, it, they could have went to Cleveland. They could have went to Cleveland. It was all because it was really all because of Pat Riley why he went to the, the to the Miami the Miami Heat, and that's a fact because when he went to do the interviews and he went around and talked to all the other guys, Miami's the one that stuck out stuck out like a sore thumb because of Pat Riley. But that's Pat a, Riley. But, but that should all, but that should also be another point in Pat Riley's favor, right? Now you're claiming, and and by the way, I agree with you on this. Okay, now you're claiming LeBron's an egomaniac, which I agree with. Oh, but Phil can manage egos better. No, every ego, the biggest egos on the planet, Pat Riley has harnessed them all and brought them the greatness. Pat Riley over Phil eight days a week. I would take Pat Riley over Phil eight days a week, too. I mean, but he wasn't. And, and Jeff, uh, here's another thing. They weren't alive to really see what Pat Riley did. I mean, even with the Knicks. Remember the Knicks teams that he, the Knicks team that he took over. He he's the one who made that trade for Charles Oakley. He's the one who brought in Kiki Vanderway and Xavier McDaniel. Made that team an, an evil team. He drafted Anthony Mason. That team was vicious on the boards. They right. were mean. That's a, that you know be, what I mean? That should, be a, that should be another thing in Pat Riley's favor, right? He took a shitty franchise with shitty players and turned it into something. A top with, team. Like you're saying, with, with Oakley and those guys. Whatever. Top what did team. Phil do in New York? He made it worse. <laughs> He didn't do anything in New York. No, Pat Riley. And when Pat Riley wanted to get the GM job and he wanted to leave the coaching and hire Jeff Van Gundy, the Knicks went and that ruined the Knicks because I'll tell you this right now. If Pat Riley took over that team as the GM of the organization, they would be the Miami Heat. They would have been the Miami Heat. Pat Pat Riley overcame every obstacle in his way. Pat Riley was only defeated by one opponent, John Stark's stupidity. Mm Mm-hmm. John Starks and Charles Smith. Because, and because Charles they Smith. would have gone to the finals and probably won if John Starks had, I don't know, how about made a free throw? Mm-hmm. Charles Smith, too, is stupid yeah. layups. Yeah. He can't hit a layup, but that's a whole nother right, story. But like, right, but Pat Riley had that team on the, on the, the, brink. the edge of greatness. Yes. Right, 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 the edge of greatness, right? What did, what did Phil do with that team? Made it worse. Gave Joakim Noah $175 million. Yeah. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Every, li- everywhere Pat Riley has gone, he's been a winner. Mm-hmm. Everywhere Phil Jackson has gone, well, he's won as long as you've given the best player on the planet. But other than that, eh, he eats donkey dicks. <laughs> and that's why it's so interesting. And I, I, I've never heard anybody argue that. I, I've watched so many shows and stuff like that, and you get debate and you go back and forth on, on Pat Riley. And everybody says, oh, Phil Jackson is the greatest coach of all time. And I look at him like, why? Because he has 11 championships? What does that mean? I mean, like, seriously. Well- I didn't say you, but people. Coach in San Antonio. What? <laughs> I don't greatest coach of all no. time down San Antonio. No, no way. Popovich is not the greatest coach of all time. But, but no New way. York is a, is a great example of exploiting Phil Jackson, though, right? Because the triangle offense works as long as you have a great player. The triangle offense is garbage if you don't have the best player on the planet. Do, when they were trying to run the triangle mm-hmm. in New York, Everyone was like, what are we doing? We don't know what's going on. It's true. And by the way, bringing up uh, Popovich, ever since Tim Duncan has been gone, he has done nothing. Okay? And, and here's a – here's a, here's, uh, He's done – that year. team stinks. That team stinks. Okay? They, okay. All right? They, they're not even a top they're, – they're an eight seed if they make the playoffs. Okay? And we were just talking about Pat Riley. Everywhere Pat Riley has gone, even as a coach, and the team was ch- crappy – He's made that team into a top five, top four team everywhere. And the Eastern Conference, when he took over the Knicks in the 90s, 
The Eastern Conference was way better than the Western Conference. You're talking about Indiana. You're talking about Detroit. Detroit. Talking, Orlando. I mean, you had Miami. I mean, all you those, those teams. Ben Wallace Detroit teams. Yes, uh, they, 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 he had. They were all over. They were so good. And, and and I'm telling you right now, when the West is chumps, uh, they were in that time. Not when they Pat were, Pop was in were. the West. Utah was the best team in that no, no, in the no, West. No. Uh, when Pat Riley was there, yes. But when Greg Popovich took over San Antonio, the West was the powerhouse. And here's and here's the th- here's the thing. I'm going to go back to Greg Popovich. Where he had the greatest power forward of all time. And yes, as soon as he retired, that team was not the same team. And that team, he couldn't find that other player that was going to take him to that night. He had Kawhi Leonard. They traded him away. Even he with Kawhi Leonard, they couldn't get over the hump without Tim Duncan. And and to me. I, I don't think Greg Popovich is the greatest coach of all time. As a matter of fact, uh, Arabak was it was better than him. I mean, there were so many better you coaches. You weren't alive for Red I, I, I know I wasn't, but Arabak was better yeah. coach than he you was. Want, you want the best coach of all time? Bill Russell. Well, he had to coach and play. Yeah, yeah, well, he was the greatest defensive <laughs> yep. player of all time, I think. But he coached and played, though. Mm. Yeah, he was great. I, I think he was the I think he was the head coach of like the the last like two or three years he was there he was coaching and playing. Mm. How ridiculous! He's he's the original Jackie Moon. <laughs> Jackie Moon, Man, I love it. Jackie Moon. That movie is awesome. <laughs> and and my and Brittany hates the it, Brittany hates Will Ferrell. I think Will Ferrell's hilarious. Oh, well, show her that movie. That movie is hilarious. She hates first Will. of all. If you don't, Semi Pro is the the seminal piece of art that's ever been developed in my life. I mean, it is just the peak of hilarity. If you don't like Semi Pro, I don't like you. Oh yeah, my God. she doesn't. I don't think she's ever seen it, but she don't like. Phil, she doesn't like Will Ferrell. She doesn't like his comedy. I think it's hilarious. I, I think his stupidity and his dumbness in every one of dude, his movies. Pre- dude, the priest telling Jackie Moon, maybe your mom didn't go to heaven. Do you know how funny it is to hear a priest tell someone yeah. maybe your mom didn't go to heaven? <laughs> How about when he goes up to heaven and he talks to his mom and he creates the the alley oop? The alley oop. <laughs> Woody Harrelson underrated in uh, that movie. Oh yes, Woody Harrelson was really good in that movie. <laughs> and her her boyfriend, you know, his girlfriend's boyfriend likes to watch him screw his girlfriend. It was hilarious. The movie. The movie. Let's unreal. get tropical. Let's get tropical. Yes, dude. Yes. Let's get E L E speedy E L E. Everybody <laughs> loves everybody. <laughs> Uh, I will say this, but they, they weren't – Jeff, they weren't old enough to really see Pat Riley in action when he was really a dominant. Right, but that's why I said I'm, I'm trying to give him as much of a pass as possible because – I mean, if we're really facing facts here, and I understand what you're saying, Tyler, it's hard to manage two egos like that. It is. But imagine a whole starting five of those guys. Hmm. You had Kareem, Magic, Cooper, Worthy, right? You have all, right. all those guys. They're, they're all they're all starting. And then 100%. by the way, you got then you got Bob McAdoo, Rambus coming off the bench, right? You got like uh, you know Byron Scott firing him away. Like, dude, too many dudes on those teams with too many egos. It's not two people. Like, if you think managing those two is tough, I, I, incredible. Those old Lakers teams with the egos, with with trying to share playing time. Right? Imagine, imagine being like, there's another Shaq on the team, and you got to send Shaq to the bench for the other Shaq. And by which the was what Rambis in 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 was with and you Kareem. know, and you know, the story is that Magic Johnson wanted to play center. That's not true. Pat Riley is the one 
that told he knew that it would throw t- throw that game off in the in the finals. He's the one who told Magic to play center in that game because it was going to throw uh, the opponent off in that game. And 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 it was Pat Riley's idea on why Magic Johnson played five positions in that series. It was it was Pat Riley. That was all Pat Riley's idea. It was not Jerry Buss. It wasn't. It wasn't Magic Johnson. I'll play center. It wasn't. It was Pat Riley. It was his offense. It was the way he wanted to run that offense. He's been a winner everywhere he's gone. It's incredible what he's done for the league and for certain. Dude, Miami was a dumpster fire before he got there. Mm -hmm. He's the one that made Miami relevant. Mm -hmm. You're 100 percent right. I just I can't I can't vouch for somebody I didn't see. And but, that, that's why I'm amazed these two did it because, uh, like, you can't possibly articulate why you weren't alive. But it's also the teams they played, though. You don't have to be there to know. Yeah. Hey, listen, Bill Russell beating Wilt Chamberlain is a feat because Wilt Chamberlain was a beast. Magic Johnson had to go through Larry Bird three freaking times. Who did she, who did Shaq and Kobe beat? Who did they beat? Oh, by the way, Pat Riley also coached Wilt Chamberlain. So he did. He did. Well, that was before. Yes. But that was before that, yes. that Showtime Lakers. Yes, season. yes. But he he actually coached Will Chamberlain too. So. Right, but I'm right. But I'm just. But I'm just saying those teams that he went through that he beat other great teams. Shaq and Kobe beat puppets. Mm. Compared to what he beat nobodies. It's true. And and by the way, if you listen to Pat Riley, and Pat Riley will tell you the, the best team. The best team he's ever put together, and he has masked, that was the Showtime Lakers. I mean, it's not even – and he hated – he him and Magic Johnson hated one another. One another. Now they're best friends. But when he was the coach and Magic Johnson was the, you know, the point guard slash superstar young player, they hated each other. Here's, here's the other tell, right? Here's the other tell how it's Riley over Phil Jackson. Everyone that's ever played for Phil Jackson, they all hate him while they're playing there. They all hate him. No one really says anything Except about Jordan. It. Dude, even Jordan LeBron, was the only one. Jordan was the only one. Le- like LeBron, Wade, Bosh, all those guys, they were like, we, we're all in for Pat Riley. Cooper, all those guys, they're all in for power. Dude, everyone fighted with Phil Jackson. Everyone hated Phil Jackson. The only two people that never hated Phil Jackson, and I know that for a fact, is your man, the Black Mamba, and Michael Jordan, two best friends, my brother, like little well, boy, that's little boy. The first cent Kobe hated him. Yeah, but they didn't. It, it, Kobe, because when Michael Jordan walked through the door, and Michael Jordan told him, "You're gonna love him. You're gonna hate him before you love him," and that's what he said. And then Kobe understood what Phil Jackson was all about, and that was winning. That's when Kobe started to to, to get that black mamba mentality, and that changed his career and changed who he was as a player. You know, because Kobe Bryant would have never been the player he transitioned into until because the first five years of his career, he was at a point. He couldn't get over that edge. It was really when he started to, you know, that whole that whole thing with the, the with the sex scandal and everything like that, that changed his life. And Phil Jackson was in the middle of it. And Phil Jackson was the one that transitioned his here's game one, to the next one level. For you. Here's one for you, Speedy, because you'll be the most honest about this. Pat Riley walks into Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would the fans do? Oh, go crazy. Rejoice. Standing ovation. Go crazy. Right? Yeah. Standing ovation. I've been there. Loving. I've been there. Phil Jackson walks into MSG. What they are boo they him. doing? They boo him. <laughs> <laughs> they boo him. And, and, and he got, he's still getting paid by James Dolan. James Dolan is still paying him $16 million a year. I think they owe him one more year. He's still getting paid by James Dolan. He gave him a nine-year extension. Uh, it's unbelievable Knicks, how much he stole. Knicks fans the will Knicks. hire the, the the top. Knicks fans will find a way to hire top notch security guard to keep James Dolan and Phil Jackson when you, out. When you go to when you go to a basketball combine and you hear from all the scouts that Phil Jackson was sleeping 
on the benches while while the these guys and he's supposed to he's supposed to scout these players. That's a bad sign, and that's mm. why. And when you when you look at the player that he drafted, and listen, Frank Nilakina is not a bad NBA player, but he's not a great one. And uh, I know, I know what's his name. Matty Caps wanted what's his name against Smith. We still, I did too at the we time. We still got I Smith. Did. He sucked with the Knicks. And and Nilakina was a better player than he, he was right about Nilakina. He was better than Smith, but yeah. not by much. I didn't mind either one of them, but I was with him at the time. I wanted that Smith draft as well. was horrible. Also, by the way. also because I had two friends that were Mavericks fans that I wanted to steal them from because they both wanted Smith at the time. That draft was horrible, <laughs> by the way. So speaking, of the, speaking, of, speaking of the Knicks, we might get another star soon and pretty soon. Oh, the uh, Donovan Mitchell. Might be coming pretty soon. Yeah, I, I I heard there was a story coming out that Donovan Mitchell wants to come home. He he he's from this area. Yeah. I, I I heard that uh, the Knicks are going to have to give up a, a, a significant amount to get Donovan Mitchell to come here. So get ready. But for I this. thought they were getting Zion. Well, I don't know what they're doing. They're going to have money. They're going to have money yeah. to spend. They're going to have money to spend. I think Donovan Mitchell is a right now. We don't know what Zion Williamson is going to happen and what. I, I, Donovan Mitchell is a more uh, more likely player that the Knicks could get because he wants to be here. He has come yeah, out and he, said a, that he wants to be Met, here. He, he's he's a Mets fan and he's from New York. Um, no, he says he wants to be here. He, this I is, know he grew up but, a Knicks uh, fan. He grew up a Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. So you know, it, it, I I think there's a there's a possibility to happen, but you're gonna you're gonna have to give up. Remember. Dwayne Wade is one of the owners of that team right now. Yeah. You think that Dwayne Wade's just going to say, here, you can take my best player. We'll give you shit. It's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> They're going to have to give up a significant amount of picks. And you're going to have to R.J. Barrett. Probably R.J. Barrett in that trade to yes. get to get him. I mean, unless they do something where they put Julius Randle and two other players, uh, Obi Toppin and Quigley and, 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 and picks. I don't know. L- listen, we've seen worse and we've seen p- teams do it. And if, <laughs> if Donovan Mitchell says, listen, I, you know, he, he's making this whole round, round around. He doesn't want the whole team to be traded. Donovan Mitchell could step in and say something. We've seen players do that. So uh, LeBron James has done that. That doesn't even matter. That trade's nothing. The Celtics just pulled off the best trade of the year. Hands down. Give me bowl, bowl. <laughs> We're going to turn this franchise around with Bowl Bowl. <laughs> Jeff, do they have still have? I know he was in, he's been in and out uh, with injury. Funny, they, is Taco Fall still there? Or? No, no, no Taco Fall. They, no, they didn't resign. Oh, they, they could have had the two tallest oh, guys at once. Taco Fall has fallen. Denver or something. Uh, yeah, Bobo came from that. Denver, right? I know that. I I I, I just didn't know if they still had Taco Fall because I know he was in. I know he was on their G League team at different points during the year. I didn't know. Yeah, if he, was he still just there. can't listen. He he's gonna like be. He's gonna permanently be an end of the bench guy. He's just gonna gonna always be too slow to actually get like meaningful minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Jeff, thank you. Nathan, thank you for joining us. Uh, great show, guys. We well, really he's he's it. um. Taco Falls with the Cleveland Cleveland G League team. Okay. No, they cut him. No, they did. They cut him. He's unemployed. He was on Real Sports recently. Uh, they did a whole, you know, a whole thing on him. But he's too lanky for his own good. He's too slow. By the way, can you guys have Brandon Lloyd back more? Brandon Lloyd is a stud. He's good, yeah. man. He was good. He loved joining. He he loved being on with us too. He really did. He had a good time. Honestly, that was that was for me. That was easily one of the best moments I think that you guys ever had. There was a moment there, not for nothing. Tyler doesn't ask very many good questions. He's kind of an idiot, but he almost got Brandon Lloyd to cry. I think. I thought he was on the verge of tears talking about 
Aaron Hernandez and Sean Taylor and like you got like a real he stole he, 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 he stole he stole my question because I wanted to ask about uh, you were not <laughs> okay Thomas I, I wanted to ask him about Thomas he played for Denver you you cut in I said go ahead that, that I had two questions. I had two questions. That was one of my questions about the uh, the Thomas thing. He played mm-hmm. for Denver for two years in 2010. I so I, I I was going to ask him about Thomas. You took it, so I let you do it. So And then I let you finish. You cut me off, too. Before I could see, he had the question. I couldn't even ask the question. I was done with the questions. I just wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to stay on too long where he was going to go crazy. And he's going to say, oh, I gave it to me. He gave you. He gave you 47, 47 minutes. minutes. Yeah, 47 minutes. What a great guy. Uh, I, I tuned in for the whole thing. And, man, um, he, he is a class act person, yes. obviously. Yes. Uh, and then Tom Brady. Uh, someone said uh, – Jeff said Tom Brady loved him mm-hmm. as a player. Um, yeah, you so, heard what he told you the story, what he did. He took him He took him to Tom, Tom Ford, Ford and closed up the whole place for him and uh, him and uh, to go shopping. And he got the discount. He got the – the old man discount where he didn't have that to pay Billy for Goat, nothing. That Billy Goat check is serious. You know, so it, it, it's, you know, it's, and when you have Tom Brady taking you to somewhere just to spend some time with you because he was so excited to have you have him come over there to New England to play with him. I mean, that's 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 high praise. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it is. So uh, and he had his shofar pick him up. You, you heard what he said. So, so it, it's it, it's a great story. And, and Brandon Loy is such a such a good Good guy, you can see he's a good person, and uh, I was very excited. I mean, was, for for me, I, I'm just being honest. Here. For yeah. me, that was the that was the best moment I've ever seen any of you have. You literally almost got Brandon Lloyd to cry. I how many how many players have you elicited that kind of emotion out of? That was a real human moment, and I appreciated it more than anything. Yes, it was. It was very good, and. Uh, Brandon Lloyd uh, really enjoyed it, and uh, I was very happy to have him on. And uh, yeah. uh, he'll definitely he'll definitely come on again. I know that. Actually, kind of stunned to see how many players that died mm-hmm. that he played with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I crazy. mean, I didn't think the I didn't think the list was going. to I be forgot that about Taylor because I I know Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor was one of my favorite players. Mm-hmm. Not even that he was talking I, about I, the I, kid I, in San Francisco that, that killed himself. Yes. Yeah, you know, he was talking about a couple of people that killed themselves, and then, and then, uh, I don't know of anybody ever that has played with the Patriots that has ever even uttered the word Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> it's constantly been a no-fly zone for just yeah. about anybody, anytime, ever. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So for him to even mention it, that's unreal. That's an unreal it's, moment, dude. It was, yeah, it was. It was. It did. It's. It, it, Really, it really set, set center stage our interview with 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 Brendan Lloyd. So mm-hmm. uh, it was great. He was great. Uh, Jeff, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it, guys. Mm-hmm. Good job, Jeff. Niffin, thank you for joining us. Uh, make you, sure make sure they eat some hamburgers over there, and you know. Hey, uh, I got it. You know what? Next time I'll be ready for my. Um, obviously, I wasn't born back in the. Uh, 80s and 70s, but mm-hmm. I, I I know I know some history that like in the NBA, but I got to learn more about the uh, NBA history. But I had um I had Isaiah Thomas on the show two years ago. I know I remember that. Yeah, bad boy Pistons. So I learned I learned some from that. So I, I I'll be ready next time with my uh, NBA history. I'm 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 only I'm only with the current NBA right now. So. <laughs> But, uh, I'm more deeper in the NBA history in the olden yeah. days. The the new days of NBA. I watch a lot of NBA, but I, I honestly I think the, the players now are just they're they're all 
they kiss each other's asses. They're too powerful. Yeah, they they kiss each other's asses. You know, in those days, the NBA teams, each team hated each other. And if you played for the Bulls, you played for the Lakers, you played for the Pistons, you played for the Knicks, you hated one another. And they yeah. were it, there's no hatred anymore. It, it really is. And I, I, I think the NBA has changed in that area. And you asked Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley and, and even Kenny – Kenny, um, uh, Kenny, the Jet. Kenny the Jet. When they yeah. say when they talk about it on you know on TNT, they say the game has completely changed because of that. It ruined the game, and yeah. I, I think them being butt buddies doesn't yeah. really help the game. So yeah, so uh, yeah, thank you to all three of you again Absolutely. for having having me on the show, uh, Jeff. Please go check out our show, Jeff, if you're still in there in the chat. Uh, go follow our show, everyone. The NRR show is back. We finally we uh, released our first episode today since I've been sick. Um, today we had Antoine McLean on the show, Super Bowl champ from the Ravens. Go check it out. Played for Clemson. What a great, great story, by the way. Great conversation we had with him today. Um, and we have good guests coming up during the week. Actually, uh, you know what's funny? After the you guys finished the interview with Brandon Lloyd, my team, my team who helps me out with the show, they already reached out to him to come on our show. The uh, two minutes uh, after, because I told them about your show with him t- uh, today. So I told my team. So my team reached out to him on Twitter two, two, five minutes after you guys finished uh, your interview. So uh, we're trying to get him on the show, but uh, to, we have some good, 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 great guests uh, lined up. And I'm still working on Edgar and James. Hopefully that comes to fruition. But uh, thank you again, guys. You guys are the best. Like I said, the big three of radio. Um, Speedy, man, man, Speedy knows his stuff, though. This guy is a legend. Uh, this is it's, yeah. It's, we we got to give him a swirly after the show. I think that's what we got to do. <laughs> I think he needs one or wet willy. You know, we'll hold him down. Dolly will give him the wet willy. No, but no, I'm seeing all, all seriousness though. You guys, you guys have a great show. And uh, Tyler, I can um, I'll, if whenever your chair is open, I'm I'm happy to take your chair. <laughs> Wednesday, nine to six. Not wait, no, nine, nine to 12, six. Yeah, nine, nine a.m. Crazy. Nine a.m. to six p.m. From nine o'clock in the morning. This is nine at night. Nine to nine to noon. Nine nine to midnight. Jesus Christ. But uh, yeah. Jeez, nine to six. Nine I mean, to six all... is my hour. Nine to tw- nine to two in the morning <laughs> is my hour. Six. Like, listen, nine p.m. to oh. six a.m. Woo! Oh. Yeah, that's, that's a all. long time. Nine a.m. to six p.m. You could sleep in that chair while Errol's were at work. Well, that would be good. That would be. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll be with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what a show! Right. Thank you, well, uh, yeah, thank, thank you, thank Nathan. You thank you for joining yeah. us, Nathan from the NR. The NR Awa. The Awa. Do you like that? You say that? Awa. You know? You know that? Oh, well, Awa. He's, he's done. Let's Awa. You, know, you like he's, that? He's, he's shot. Really? Speedy, say it. Awa. 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 You like to. All right. I, I, think, I think what we need to do before the show is over, I think we need to get Tyler to sing a song. What do you think? Oh, oh I got to be here for that. <laughs> we got to get There's Tyler no to sing a song. There's no alcohol here. There is no alcohol. But right. We, is there a particular song that you like in the '90s that you you know the words to and we could flow with on this? You know, uh, you know? Probably not. No, yeah, you're not. A, yeah, obviously, you don't have the best voice. You no. know, uh, so it would be. Uh, you like a Britney Spears? You know, you look like a Britney Spears. You know, with less air. Uh, what's your uh, What's your go to alcohol? Um, it depends where I'm at. A Jack and Coke is what the most formal drink. Uh, oh, Jack and Coke. He just likes to get drunk. Period. Strawberry okay. Henny's a good. Oh yeah, him and his strawberry Henny, which uh, <laughs> you know, it's delicious. It's, it's delicious. so fucking. It, it, it's so good. It, it's better than dipping his balls. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's definitely better than dipping your balls. Uh, it's definitely. They don't talk. Yeah, that's it's true. Just a drink. That's, true. that's that's absolutely. You know what? Right. You know which alcohol I like? I like Hennessy. That's my oh, shit. Oh, Hennessy. I just said strawberry Hennessey. Henny. Henny has, yeah. 
And yeah. Well, that's not that's not. Shot of Henny. All right, fine. Shot of Henny's fine too. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you like shot of Henny? Oh, oh, shot of Henny's oh. good. If if I if I ever did drink, it would probably be uh, a lemon drop. I like that. It was a good lemon drops. Lemon, lemon drops. drops. Lemon drop. You never had a lemon drop? No. What's a lemon drop? It's vodka. It's vodka. You you put and some. What? You put some uh, sugar. You put no. You, you there's a lemon. Oh, so it's a straight shot. Yeah, it's a straight shot. You oh. put you put sugar. You lick your your, your your the sugar off. You drink the shot, and then you put the lemon in your yeah. mouth. I don't like lemon. Uh, I'll do the shot of vodka. It'll take it. it takes away the taste. You you drink a couple of those, you'd be flying like a. You'll be flying I'm like in. a bird. Let's do some lemon drops, boy. Uh, you'll be flying like a bird, man. Yeah. <laughs> you got vodka here? No. I'm not doing no like shots. I don't drink like that. No. <laughs> uh, and by the way, Snug says the delicious slippery nipple. Okay. So I guess what? that's a drink. That's slippery nipple. What is that? I don't know. Well, I, I'm not a drinker. How would I know? Well, you know what a lemon drop is. I've, yes, because I've had it before. I mean, I, you know, it's also good. Um, I thought you were going to say mango you got bombs. dropped on your head by mango a lemon. Bombs, uh, mango bombs is like my no, favorite. I don't like mango. Oh, the, the, no, it doesn't, it doesn't taste like mango. It's called a mango bomb. And, uh, they were at, he, oh, that was uh, the Jaeger bombs that was, are fantastic that was as well. at his party, his 2019 or 18, one of those parties. You had a, everyone yes. had a bunch of them. Oh man, I, got I think so. it was 19. Yeah, <laughs> I got Nithin wasted. Listening? Yes. Huh? Are you still here? Yes, Nithin's I'm right here. Jaeger bombs. Oh, I love Jaeger bombs. Jaeger That's bombs are my That's... yes. Jaeger here bombs you go. Are also Tyler. Snuggs says, "Who doesn't love the classic <laughs> Long Island hey, When you when oh, we when I when I come visit you guys in person, we're doing Jaeger bombs. Well, yes. I'll, I'll drink for all of them. How's this? Well, well, Speedy actually drinks. I'll have Errol's shot. I, I, no, I, I gotta have. I'm gonna at least have three of them, man. Three. Well, my birthday, I do drink. Three? So. No, four, four, four. Oh, buddy. Oh, I no, I'm gonna do I ten. Believe it. Believe it. Believe me that when I do drink on my birthday for a person that doesn't drink I'm leaving a lot, early. I'm leaving before he gets drunk. Be, before, before <laughs> I'm I, leaving before the alcohol I, comes out. I actually, I actually. Never had, you never had straight up Henny before? I, I don't I've had real, straight up Henny. I've had Henny. It, I had Hennessy in the Bahamas. Better. I had Hennessy in the Bahamas. I didn't really like it. White Henny is apparently the. the, the I've had it. That, White Henny is the go to. Uh, apparently. But, uh, you know, on my birthday, it, it takes a while for me to get drunk, you know. But uh, I, I, it's the only time I drink. And first of all, I'm probably the funniest drunk out of them all. And I, and I, I, I am a very funny drunk. So. You got to go to a strip club. No, oh, no, why, no. Why would you go to a strip club when you get drunk? That's stupid. That, that's the that's trouble. You'll wake up with no money. That's trouble. I mean, I would never do that. Then the, like, at least... Like women at the bar pretend to give you attention. Yeah. These strippers don't give a fuck about you. No, they the know other. you're drunk. They're gonna take advantage of you. And plus, you you don't even know what the hell you're doing. You're gonna get into a fight. You touch somebody. Right. You touch somebody's woman or something like that. You don't know what the fuck's going on. I thought she was on. a stripper. Yeah, you know, you have no idea. So I, I would not do that. I'm with him. I very That's rarely no. agree with him, but I agree with him. Yeah, well, thank God <laughs> you don't agree with me because if you agree with me, I'd shoot myself. Anyways, I uh, agree. N- Nithin, thank you uh, for joining us, man. I agree. Thank you. Nithin from the NR Hour. All right, guys, that's it for our show. I, I'd like to thank uh, Associate Press MVP voter and ESPN NFL analyst Aaron Schatz for joining us. Interesting guy. Uh, definitely shots? Gave us, yeah, shots. You took a lot of shots, you know? Oh, I thought you said you wanted to do shots. And, I, again, I would really like to thank 11-year NFL pro wide receiver uh, Brandon Lloyd for joining us. Great interview, 47 minutes. Uh, sensational stories that he told us and uh, definitely stuff that uh, you, you can really appreciate from an ex-NFL player. And, of course, Niffin and his crew reaches out to Lloyd. Thank you, Speedy. Uh, that was a good get for you. 
Brandon Lloyd. Mm-hmm. Very Absolutely good Absolutely was. He was phenomenal. He was a good get. Um, all right. That's it. Uh, listen to the Weekend Crunch. Uh, stay care- Stay calm. Stay collective this weekend. Get your uh, shovel out. Get your shovel out. Uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of inches, ladies and gentlemen, here yeah. in New York uh, in, in the tri-state area for snow. So the big snowstorm is hitting us. Uh, we haven't seen one of these in a while. So, yeah. No, actually, we didn't see 18 inches. When was the last time we seen 18 it's, inches? It's snowing now. What? That's what this says. It says it's snowing. Yeah, it's fr- flurrying, but we're not. We're not. Me and you always leave here in shitty weather. You realize that? You know, uh, cry me a river. Um, I would, but it freezes. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably right. And also, if you pissed. Anyways, <laughs> that's it for our show. Uh, stay safe, lovely. Listen to the. Oh, wait, by the way, the Islanders playing at 7 p.m. on Saturday? No. Islanders, there's no Islander in, in conflicts unless there's like rescheduling or anything like that until like yeah. the last or second to last week of the season. So, so there you go. we'll be a normal time, barring any schedule changes. 7 p.m. We'll be barring. So listen we'll to the normal. weekend crunch. It will be a great show. I can guarantee it. And our betting show, our Moneyline Mania with the handicappers. That'll be fun with Chaz and, and his boys. It will be fun. One so of which is a Chiefs fan going to the game. So. That's right. So. <laughs> Good luck, farewell, and good night. As we say, goodbye. Good night. You're you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.